We live? We live. Alright, let's do this. Thanks for coming on, bro. Appreciate it. Of course. Of for course. sure. Yeah. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. So we wanted to start off today talking about the election, all this stuff going on at the Capitol. What do you what do you think about the election? You think it's fake? Um <laughs> I think Trump and his team or the people uh filing lawsuits on behalf of Trump are like one in fifty. Mm-hmm. One in sixty when it comes to like <clears throat> lawsuits trying to uh prove election frauds i mean nothing's ever been proven so far but i mean right. if there really were legitimate claims of it and mm-hmm. it held up in the courts then i mean yeah but yeah. it just hasn't been proven so far yeah so. well I, I feel like the problem is that if it's on as large of a scale as he's talking there could it's very conceivable that there could be people with the power to cover it up and that it's getting covered up, but as a rational person looking at the evidence, I can't say that it seems likely to be, yeah, to be to, for there to be fraud. If there's fraud, if or if there if the if the election isn't quite legit, it's because of foreign influence. I think through so yeah. through things like social media. <laughs> but these are things that that, that it's all, it's a separate issue than what Trump is talking about. I think. Yeah, and I think that like we we found instances of photo fraud. I think there were like three in Pennsylvania, mm-hmm. but all of them were. I think two of them were men that um, uh, did the voter, uh, the mail-in voter ballot for their parents, yeah. and both of them were for Trump. Um, so I mean, like, I, I we're looking into it, we're investigating it. Um, I don't think we yeah. found any credible instances of widespread voter fraud. Yeah, I think that I don't the, think it's a problem like they're saying it is. So. Right. Yeah. I think if, they, they, if it was, they'd be able to prove it. Yeah. Then so. the main yeah. problem I see is that people is people attacking attacking those who were saying this instead of taking a stance of like you just said where okay this yeah. could be possible we need to look into it i see i see a lot of people attacking saying they're crazy saying this is a threat to democracy and i think it could be and it can be when taken to the extremes but i've seen a lot of exaggeration on this yeah. i think it's something that these people these people have reason to believe that it could be false but until we put forth evidence i don't think we can accept it as fact yeah and that's the thing like um i think undermining the the integrity of our voting process is an incredibly heavy charged thing mm-hmm. and i don't think it should be done unless there's very credible instances of widespread voter fraud because yeah. i mean there are instances we found the three in pennsylvania or whatever mm-hmm. but i don't think that like the president should be able to get on twitter in uh, up until the point where his twitter was banned mm-hmm. dispute the election results and things like that um i think that's in- incredibly damaging because there are like millions and millions of people who that is their main uh, source of information, and yeah. so if he's very, um, that's very a problem blatantly, in itself. Yeah, yeah very blatantly uh, spewing misinformation or mis or information that's not been proven yeah. in any instance at all. Like that's incredibly damaging to. Yeah, I think I, I think, like you said, it's possible that it's happened. But Trump's reaction, how he has accepted this as fact and riled his voters up, or riled his supporters up, yeah. and told them that this is fact, that it is for sure false. I think that's a problem. I think yeah. to, I think you have to look at these things where, yes, it could be possible, but we have to look at the evidence. Yeah, no, 100%. And I think that, like, him riling it up... Because <clears throat> I've, I saw a lot of people say that whenever he was banned from Twitter for um, inciting violence, a lot of people were like, well, what did he do? And I think that, like, that's an incredibly nuanced kind of thing to where if you um, gradually push this rhetoric that the election was fake and, like, mm-hmm. oh, like, there's going to be a coming for the people that uh, wronged these patriots and yes, the American yes. patriots are going to rise up and revolt. Um, and he's, I mean, he explicitly said on the day of the thing that he's like, oh, I, I want it to be peaceful. But if you've 
kind of set the framework for the entire thing to I don't know quite how to explain it but it's like if you've um, it's like blatantly if you, I, set the framework is what you're for, trying to say if yeah. you look at specific instances you may not be able to prove that he caused what happened at the Capitol, but overall, generally, yeah, his oh, actions have led to it. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yeah, overall, like his rhetoric has very directly contributed mm-hmm. to the idea yes. that the election was unfair mm-hmm. and that the American people, the American patriots that voted for Trump, need retribution or yeah. some kind of vengeance or whatever. Yeah. <clears throat> what do you think about um, the impeachment? Um, do you think it's a waste of time? Do you think it's <laughs> even worth it? Like he's get, he's he's gonna be out of office in a week. I think I personally think it's. I think they could be spending their time doing way better things. And I think if there's if what they're scared of is him running again in 2024, then it might make sense that they're trying to get him impeached so they so the Senate can bar him from running again. If that's what they're going for, then I don't know what to say other than they're doing it for their personal benefit. And that's it's, if they're legally allowed to do it, they're legally allowed to do it. I think personally it's a waste of time. I think they could be spending their time doing better things than trying to impeach a man who's about to be out of office and who has already said he's going to leave peacefully. I mean, I don't think he's really said he's going to leave peacefully, though. I think that, like, any time... I remember, like, all throughout November and all throughout December, like, he was very directly asked if he was going to be leaving or if he was um, agreeing to a peaceful transition of power. Well, he said Um, two days after what happened at the Capitol, he directly said, I'm going to leave peacefully, I'm going to cause no problems, Biden won, this is fine. He said that a couple days after. after, That's after months of, like, not very um, specifically saying that he's going to agree to anything. So you think that just wasn't Um, true? I you don't don't think what's true that he's not going to leave peacefully because I think I mean it, I don't know if it's true he wasn't clear about it before but I think now yeah. if you look at it he has been clear but I mean I, like, I think now he has cleared himself up and said if he said that and then he doesn't leave peacefully then he's just blatantly lied to us you know what I mean yeah I think like now he's taken a clear statement but I think like mm-hmm. the months and months leading up to this point and I think that like now it's reached a boiling point mm-hmm. um, I think that like he was very vague about it mm-hmm. never really committed to anything and it's like. That was incredibly scary. Yeah. Somebody, I, the commander-in-chief who's the head of the military, who has all of that power at the, the drop of a hat, like, is incredibly scary. What I felt about that was that I didn't see why everyone was pressuring him to come out and say he was going to leave peacefully. Because from my perspective, there was never a, anything that he said that made me truly believe that he wasn't going to leave peacefully. He said things like he didn't think he won, but I, did, I'd never, I never saw any reason to think that he wasn't going to walk out when they asked him to walk out. Personally, and I think, and and especially now that he's come out and said he's going to leave peacefully, that's why I think the impeachment is a waste of time. Unless they're just trying to do it because they're afraid he's going to run and possibly win in 2024. Yeah, that's the, the only reason I could think that it's worth the time, personally. But I guess the thing is that, like, if you, um, if we ask him, like, hey, like, are you, are you going to leave peacefully? He's like, well, I can't really say right now. And it's like, oh, I think the election was definitely fake. Like, I'm not going to accept these results. I think the American patriots that voted for me definitely don't. Uh, or shouldn't accept these results and things like that. Like, it's that, incredibly concerning. Has that happened since he came out and said he was going to leave peacefully? But I mean, like, if yeah, yeah, he can say it. I mean, he has said it. Like, if 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 what you are saying is true, that they came out and said that he is going to peacefully mm-hmm. um, agree with the transition of power or whatever. Yeah, um, it seems to me like at this point he realizes that he's not going to win, and especially when yeah. he came out and he told when people were storming the Capitol and he came out and said, no violence, stop. I think he's accepted that... I think he's accepted that there's nothing he can do at this point without... If he tried to do something at this point, it would cause a lot of turmoil, and I think he's just accepted that Biden's going to remain president. And that's why I think there's just better things that the Democrats could be spending their time on than trying to impeach him. 
Yeah, but I mean, like, the Democrats have been, like, doing their time. Like, I remember whenever um, Trump came out and he said that, uh, he was like, yeah, I'm on board with $2,000 checks. Nancy Pelosi, that same day, returned that bill to him, um, or uh, sent over a bill Mm -hmm. that, like, all else was equal, $2,000 bills, but then it was shot down in the Senate, or Mm -hmm. has never agreed upon to be a unanimous vote, yes. So, what I mean, on the same lines of that, what do you think of Biden's new bill that he proposed? Because they gave out the six hundred dollars stimulus checks, and now Biden just comes out and says, "Okay, here's the other fourteen hundred And the Senate hasn't it hasn't gone through Congress yet. But since the Democrats have Senate majority and House majority, or at least with Kamala being the tiebreaker in the Senate, I think it's very possible that the American people get $1,400 in their bank yeah, account and get I a $15 minimum wage, which they haven't la- – he hasn't said how long. So that could be a $15 minimum wage like how Florida's doing it where they increase it by what, like a dollar a year. Yeah, year. Yeah. It could be like that. But I think it's very likely that that bill Biden – I think it's very likely that Biden's bill gets through. What do you, what do you think about his bill? Yeah, it's probably going to go through. I think like most of the main points in the bill, I think the eviction moratorium is pretty good. Yeah, I think that the budget that assistance for states that um, have budget shortfalls since COVID, um, I think the unemployment assistance um, or the addition to the unemployment assistance is pretty good. I think the $15 minimum wage is pretty good. Um, I haven't done too much research into the minimum wage. Mm-hmm. I know that there are... Um, social shortfalls of having a lower minimum wage yeah. um such as 725 such, such as, as fact, such as what such as the fact that like mcdonald's and walmart are the top employers of people who are on medicaid and mm-hmm. um food stamps so it's like the, the they have thousands of employees yes but they still have to rely on government assistance because mm-hmm. they're not being paid enough okay so, yeah and that's yeah. minimum wage is something i, I want to talk about biden's full bill but i, I also want to get into minimum wage a little bit because again this yeah. is something that i haven't reached i'm not an expert on minimum wage and this is very yeah, I'm not this sure. is a very co- complex <clears throat> issue because it it affects everyone so you don't yeah. you don't really know how it's going to end up balancing things out and you can look at places where higher minimum wages have been enacted and see yeah, what Seattle happened there. Yeah, Seattle was a really but good example. I wanted to, what do you think about the idea of not having a minimum wage? Because what? Because the idea is that with a minimum... Well, I was thinking about this earlier, and I don't know. Tell me, tell me if this is crap. Yeah. If there's a minimum wage, employers can justify paying someone that minimum wage, and that person... It's not like people are going to unionize and fight it because it's the minimum wage. It's legal. I can pay yeah. you this amount. Whereas if there's no minimum wage, people aren't happy with what they're getting paid... They're going to try to get paid more, and being a min- yeah. having a minimum wage could actually just cause people to make less money because people, these companies are told this is the minimum to pay people, so they're going to pay people that if they can get away with it. Yeah. So what what do you think about that? Um, I want to say in like some Scandinavian countries, I want to say I looked at in Norway, mm-hmm. they actually don't have a minimum wage, and that's like a gotcha used by Stephen Crowder and other and other conservative pundits. <laughs> Never comes yeah. to like socialism, like the right. the boogeyman socialism, yeah. whatever. But it's like the union, uh, the union markets over there are much different. And the union markets think that mm-hmm. a minimum wage could hurt their um, chances to negotiate with the employers. Mm-hmm. So I think that um, right now, removing the minimum wage would probably be a bad idea mm-hmm. just because our union market um, in each state is, prob- is definitely not what it is in Scandinavian countries and things like that. Yeah. So I think that, um, I don't know. I think the Scandinavian countries are doing some some pretty cool things, but... Yeah. I don't think that we're really at the position to where we can just take away the minimum wage. No, I think, I think like that I was saying since earlier, no. since productivity has been going up, since mm-hmm. we've been able to produce more things, yeah. um, I want to say it was at like 1970, whenever productivity started skyrocketing, but the minimum wage has stayed the exact same. Yeah. So we've been able to produce more, but we've never been able to increase the amount of 
uh, money that we've been able to get because right. of it. And it's because of te- technological advancements and yeah. things like that. But, um, yeah, I think that sometimes we do have to artificially increase the minimum wage via legislation to kind of keep up with everything else. Um, yeah. yeah. I think now that we have, an, now that once the minimum wage was enacted, I don't think there's really much going back. It would require a big change. And I think if anything, yeah. at first I was hesitant against the $15 minimum wage, but then I was thinking about it and it could, it could be a good thing to level out the states. Assuming yeah. these states like California don't now raise their minimum wage to $20 an hour, I don't, yeah. maybe that's possible, but I think it could be a good thing it may it may hurt in the short term for businesses, for small businesses to have to pay their people fifteen dollars an hour. But it could also that money is going into people who are going to spend that money. So we will see younger people and yeah. less skilled workers spending more money. But I think it could it could lead to balancing state inflation out. So it's yeah. so someone like us from Florida looks at California and it just costs so much to live there. So maybe now it starts costing and florida was already going to raise it to raise it to 15 florida's yeah. been doing that but let's say even though it, we voted for donald trump which is a very yeah interesting that was really interesting position yeah that was but, but i think that it could long term even if the cost of living in these states where that currently have a lower minimum wage if it goes up cost of living goes up well if the cost of living can even out more over the united states that could be for the better to give people yeah. the option to move more freely because i know that's that's something yeah. that holds a lot of people back from moving right now is just that some states cost so much to live in yeah there's a lot of institutional barriers whenever it comes mm-hmm. to kind of just upping and moving um so i think that like any legislation that kind of gives more uh power into the hands of workers yeah. is probably a good thing mm-hmm. i think that like the concentration of wealth at the very top is probably a very very bad thing so i think i'm pretty on board with a uh with a higher minimum wage even though we have to artificially increase it right um i think the federal minimum wage hasn't changed since like 2009 right yeah i think if we could if it once it gets to 15 for all 50 states i think it would probably be in our best interest interest to just leave it at that or if we want to match minimum wage to inflation i think a good argument can be made for that because it it seems quite reasonable the yeah cost of the power of the dollar goes down, so you raise how many you raise how many dollars people get. I think that an argument can be made for that. I think. I think it could be a good thing to even the states out, though. Yeah, one hundred percent. But I mean, like this is like I will say mm-hmm. right now that it's like I have no um, experience in politically or like political analysis or right. economics or anything like that. I took macroeconomics, but I don't think that like that qualifies me to have like a really strong take on the minimum wage and things like yeah. that. So I'll probably just listen to the, uh, the economist and, yeah. um, Thanks. see where they're pointing to. But I mean, yeah. we did, um, they did do the minimum wage, a $15 minimum wage in Seattle and it turned out to be pretty good. Like mm-hmm. it was a boon to the economy. Um, small businesses weren't shut out. They mm-hmm. didn't have to, how long ago was that? Do you know? I, it was a few years ago. I'm not exactly sure, but I know that it wasn't a bad thing at all. Mm. So yeah, yeah, so I know so, Seattle's pretty rough right now. Yeah, Seattle, yeah. <laughs> it's pretty rough. But no. I mean, like, as you get into the higher population areas, um, you will be experiencing more crime and things like that. Mm-hmm. So Seattle is one of those cities. So. Okay. So. Yeah, so going back to the impeachment. Yeah. Do you think, um, do you think it's <laughs> worth their time when they could be focusing on things like corona relief? Like, it seems like Joe Biden really wants to pre- stress this corona relief package that he's putting out. Do you think it's worth their time to to do that? Yeah, I don't think those things are mutually exclusive. I don't think you have to pick between 
like today, are we gonna are we gonna impeach Donald Trump? Or are we gonna well, focus on the corona impeachment relief? takes a lot of time, and that's what a lot of these yeah. Republican senators have said is that the impeachment process just takes so long that we could get so much more done in that time since he's going since he's going out anyways. And yeah. also on that point, the whole argument they're making is that he incited violence at the Capitol. And I want to go a little yeah. bit deeper into that because from what yeah, I've seen, that's really that's I a really nuanced conversation. I don't though, yeah. think I don't think he did enough to be impeached and maybe the Supreme Court disagrees with me and that's fine that's their that's their expertise but from what I saw from what I saw what Trump encouraged was protest okay a couple some of his word choice is questionable right if you if you don't want to give him the benefit of the doubt if you want to be cynical you can look at things that Trump has said and said that right there is inciting violence okay I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt and say the man has poor word choice that's what I'm going to say (laughs) I think that's I think that's much more likely looking at his intent and how he's approached this and the fact that as soon as it got violent he went on Twitter and said stop the violence then it took him I, I think it's ridiculous that people said it took him too long to come out on the podium and say something I think that's absurd pressing people to make big decisions like that that are going to affect the whole country pressing people to be quick on those decisions is not the way to go people need to think about things and maybe maybe Trump was sitting around shooting pool I don't know I'm gonna get again I'm gonna give him the benefit of the doubt and say that he was thinking this through, and and there was and that maybe there was good reason why he waited. But I don't see any reason that anything he said is incitement of violence enough to warrant impeachment. And like you said, it's his rhetoric that he's that he's spewed over time, and I don't agree with his rhetoric. I think he's been too extreme. I think he's I don't I don't think that he's handled this well. But for it to be impeachment worthy, I think. If the Democrats want to preach unity like they always preach, and if they want to call Donald Trump the instigator of division, the best thing they can do right now is drop this impeachment thing and get to the get to the issues that matter and convince the American people that they can trust these Democrats to run the country. Because right now, a lot of the population, a lot of these Trump supporters are not hopeful for what's going to come in the next four years. And the best thing yeah. they can do if they really want unity is to convince these people why they're going to be leaders in this situation instead of going after Trump. Yeah. It seems like they're just divide it you can't preach if you want division say you want division don't preach unity and then impeach Trump in the current climate. Yeah. It seems it just doesn't seem right. I guess I I guess my answer to that is like two different parts. So mm-hmm. I know that like um so I guess the first part is that like the people that spent the entire last 4 years mm-hmm. crying about how libtards are like um so emotional and they're like uh, they're crying all the time, or they they were just shouting about how mm-hmm. like libtards are stupid and like crying all the time and like all this, and now they're like now they're wanting unity. Like I don't know, like it it, it just seems like really hypocritical. To oh, me, I don't I, mean, I don't like, think those kind of people would say what I'm saying right now. What I'm saying is yeah, me but... from my perspective. I've all and I know me and Caleb talked about the idea of secession and dividing the country last podcast because yeah. that's that's an idea. If we can't come to terms. That might be our best option, but I think even better if we could come to terms and have unity and have people have people just agree on something. For once, that would be yeah. that would be for the best. And I just think this impeachment is it, all it's doing is accelerating the division. It's making these people. It, Trump was almost the figurehead of people who didn't trust politicians, and all these politicians have proven is that these people were right all along in their minds. Yeah, That's all they're doing like- right now. But I mean, like, you can be anti and I, I do got to go back to, like, what I was going to say about, like, Trump inciting the violence or whatever. But it's like, you can be anti-establishment, but you also can't have a cabinet that is full of people accepting corporate donations. You can't be buddy-buddy with Mitch McConnell. You can't be, yeah. um, 
I don't know. You just you just can't. You can you can pretend to be anti-establishment. Right. I know that's like the rhetoric he pushed back in 2015, 2016. Yeah, drain the swamp. Yeah, drain the swamp. I don't think he did a very good job of that at all. I don't think I don't think he accomplished that goal. But to his supporters, yeah, his supporters, the drain the swamp guy. He did a great job at pretending he was like the anti-establishment candidate. Yeah. But I mean, like, as long as. I, um, this is probably a hot take, but I mean, like, as long as you're on the right, you're probably not anti-establishment. Um, mm, you so think so? Yeah, probably. Because I feel like I'm, I feel like I, I don't want to say I lean more right, but I, yeah. I can see a lot of people on the right who don't agree with the current Republican party. Yeah, so well, you I mean, not... like, if you're mm. on the right within the, um, uh, mainstream Republican paradigm, you're probably, like, if you're Tom Cotton or you're uh, Jeb Bush or whoever. You're not else. looking for revolution. Yeah, you're not looking. You're not looking to be anti anti establishment. You're not looking to shake up the system and yeah. bring out like a no whole new. And it's like Donald Trump did a great job of painting himself to be that guy, mm-hmm. but he turned out to not be any different. Yeah, and so. I think I think he did that to more of an extent than anyone else in politics is doing yeah, right now in terms of standing up to, to the establishment yeah. in terms of standing up the establishment i would say he did it more than anyone else currently just in his words if you look at his words he's yeah. he's willing to call out all these politicians that no one else would dare to call out and he said yeah. some dumb stuff and he got people riled yeah. up for no reason sometimes yeah. but he definitely didn't accomplish i would i wouldn't say he drained the swamp i don't think that was a, re- i don't think he was effective at properly doing that he's really good at mudslinging i know mitch mcconnell was buddy buddy with him because mitch mcconnell's entire political goal an entire um i don't know reason to be in politics is to block whatever the democrats is doing or whatever the democrats are doing mm. but the second mitch mcconnell turns on him at, at the very end what did he do Mitch McConnell, God, i forgot what he did but like he pissed off trump and trump just kind of threw him under the bus and yeah. with it with the two thousand dollar checks he was like this is mitch mcconnell's fault yeah. um but back to the back to the point <laughs> of um, the idea of like Trump inciting rhetoric. So, do you know the difference between like descriptive statements and normative statements? Describe it. So, pretty much, descriptive statements is the house is blue or the the forest is green. Mm-hmm. So, normative statements are are the house is blue, so we should burn it down, or the forest is green, so we should go in it. Um, so it's like Trump will say so many descriptive statements, and he'll get right up to the point. He'll never say the normative one. So he'll say that like. Um, the election was rigged. Um, they found so many mail-in ballots. Like the Democrats were cheating the entire time. Um, and all of this point, and it's reaching up to this point. Is like, what should we do? What is the normative statement? But he'll never ever come out and say it. I think Jordan Peterson does this exact same thing, mm-hmm. so he can like shirk responsibility. He's like, well, I never actually said it, so he. Um, so describe what specifically a normative statement is. So a normative statement is saying what we should do. So a descriptive statement is saying what it is. A normative statement is saying what we should do with it. So the so, house is blue is a descriptive statement. We yeah. should go in it is the normal, yeah, the normative. The house is blue, so we should burn it down is the normative statement. So mm. Trump can say so many different things like the election is rigged, the Democrats are cheating, the, the mail-in ballots are fraud, um, Joe Biden's not the real president. And so it's like he'll say all of these descriptive statements – but he'll never ever get up to the normative one, mm. so he can shirk responsibility. I see that in say, a lot of politicians. Yeah, so exactly. So like that's the point of um, people saying like, well, he never actually incited violence, and it's like I know he knows not to do that. Right. So he can right. very easily kind of push responsibility off of mm-hmm. him and say that he never ever incited violence, which I I don't think he ever um, explicitly. I don't think he. I think implicitly. Um, he very, very much so incited violence by mm. implying all of these things, but never actually saying they're like, hey, um, 
I think the election is rigged. I'm still probably going to go along with the results. I think my followers should probably accept the results as right. fact. Okay. Um, so it's like, I think there were so many different things that he could have done in the months leading up to the inauguration or leading up to this point, yes. leading up to January 6th that he could have done to avoid the entire thing. But yeah. he just didn't do any of it. Yeah. And I think I th that, that was very mm -hmm. purposeful. See, I think... So. I think he said these things and then it escalated farther than he thought it would. I don't think he really thought people were going to break into the sin or anything like that. And I don't yeah. and I don't I don't see a strong case to be made that it's his fault. People are going to yeah. listen to him. And it's it's not like this was 40% of the country. It's not like every single person who listened to Trump went out there and broke into the Senate. It was yeah. some people interpreted what he said to mean that, or it may not even be because of him. These may be people yeah. who have been thinking about this stuff for a long time, and I just don't think a strong enough case can be made that it was his fault. Could it have been avoided based on things he said? Yes. He could have is done a that, lot better job. Is yeah. that enough to say that it's his fault? I wouldn't say so because I don't think it was – I think it was ridiculous when Biden said that this was predictable, that everyone knew this was going to happen. No, no. Everyone didn't know this was going to happen. These were some extremists that decided to act on it. And yes, some people predicted that this was going to happen, but I don't think it was in any way obvious. And I don't think, and I think it was, I think it was ridiculous for Biden to imply that it was obvious because what he's doing by implying that is, is he's implying that people who voted for Trump knew this was going to happen and we were okay with it. That's not the case. That's not the case for people yeah. who voted for Trump. And I, I just see most of the stuff that Trump does that people criticize him for can just can just be flipped around on Biden where he does similar things. He just does so in like a much mean? more calm of a manner. Where you say how Trump doesn't go to the normative statement. When I listen to yeah. when I listen to Biden speak, like genuinely I've never heard him speak and I knew what he was going to do about it. Okay? When yeah. this whole thing at the Capitol Hill came happened, Biden immediately got on the air and he starts spewing words like decency. Like reason, and he con he's convincing people that these people who are at the Capitol are beyond reason. He's convincing people yeah. that this whole that there's this whole group of people that are just beyond what is human. And he gets up there and he talks about all these things how we need to we need to heal, we need to do better, we need to stand strong. But he says no thing that he's gonna do. He gets up there and convinces the American people that he's gonna do all these things, but they're just broad terms. He doesn't say anything that he's gonna do about it. And I think. And I think because of that, based on based on what you said, I'm and not that because Biden does these things, Trump doesn't do them. Trump does do them, but I think I think a lot of these things Biden does to even more of an extent. But he hides it behind the veil of starting off all of his stuff like peace, unity, all this, yeah. and then they go on to impeach Trump. But I think that like those are the normative statements in and of themselves. So when you mm. when you when it, the things that you described, yeah. whenever he says things like we should be decent, we should um, come together, we should be unified. I think those are those are normative statements, like by definition. Those mm -hmm. are the things that we should be doing. We should not have like a hyper-partisan divide, or at least Biden doesn't think so, um, of like people at the Capitol and uh, the other half of the country kind of watching and being like, oh my God. Um, mm -hmm. But it's like, oh, what was I going to say? I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, you're good. But, you um, take a second if you need it. Yeah, I forgot. Go ahead. No, that's Go cool. Ahead. It just feels like... It seems like he can get up here and say all this stuff all he wants, but he's by doing this, he is directly excluding this group by calling them not decent. He, he yeah. calls these people undecent. He makes them, he, he's excluding them from the conversation, from like what's normal. And it's like, if we're going to be decent, what we're going to do is we're going to go to these people and we're going to talk to them and we're not going to exclude them and make them feel like animals. Yeah. If you want unity, 
make unity happen. Don't tell people you want unity, make it happen. If it's like, I don't know what Biden, like genuinely, genuinely until Biden released that relief plan, I had no idea what any of his policies were because he yeah. never explicitly says when he talks. And I'm sure that's something you can dig through the weeds and find them. But it's like, it, it just feels like we're not, we don't get anything out of him. That's part of the political game though. Um, mm -hmm. Because like, if you look at Bernie's kind of plan throughout the entire yeah. primaries, it's supposed to be like, like he's very good at saying that like, Medicare for or uh, free college or just things like that. Like he's very, very explicit with what he wants to do. But I think that Bi uh, Joe Biden's uh, plan throughout the entire primary is like, we need to be unified. We need to do better. We need to restore the soul of this country. And then one of them made it out of the primary. So um, I think he's probably doing I just, he's probably I just think, hanging on to whatever he knows works. I just so. think that's going to bite him in the butt because no, like no one... No one knows what he wants to do, and it maybe it may, I mean, it may not won, bite him so. in the butt. It yeah. it may be that that was why he won was that all yeah. these people who are willing to say what they all these people who said what they're going to do like Bernie Bernie pissed people off because they heard what he was going to do. Maybe if Biden yeah. had said what he was going to do, he wouldn't have won because people were going to say people weren't going to like it. Yeah, I think that's very possible. I think the Democratic Party didn't like Bernie because he was anti-establishment. Bernie wanted to yeah. shake things up. I think Bernie got absolutely shafted by the Democratic Party, and yeah. that's a whole thing in itself. Is people like him and Andrew Yang that if they had run it would have been overwhelmingly in their favor bernie or yang could have overwhelmingly won this election i really think yang that never really did too well though he didn't because he didn't have the he didn't have the money he didn't have the support of the party yeah. he couldn't put himself out there he didn't have the name recognition of ooh joe biden or all bernie these sanders, all these Barack yeah. obama people knew joe biden people know yeah. bernie sanders he's center of ohio right senator i think vermont. that was vermont yeah. people knew the name yeah, Andrew Yang. He comes out and people see. Oh, there's this young dude, and I think that's that's just a problem with the party system in America. Yeah. Is that you can't? It's it's so hard to get in as someone like Andrew Yang. It's so hard to get in being anti-establishment because yeah. by being anti-establishment, you have to go through the establishment to get to power. So of course, if yeah. you're someone like Bernie who wants to shake things up, the establishment's not going to let. They aren't going to let you through. Whereas yeah. Joe Biden. He'll do whatever they tell him. For real. I really whatever whatever the Democratic Party wants, I don't think yeah. Joe Biden's ever gonna turn a gonna turn and say no. And but he I might. Mean, maybe I maybe I'd be wrong. I hope so. But I mean he's making concessions. I think that um he's definitely listening listening to the progressive wing of the party. The that, one yeah. that, I think he's realizing like that's kinda why or like that's a very um large reason as to why he won was because of the progressives. Um Do you think that's because of him or Kamala? I don't think Kamala. Right? Kamala. I think it's Kamala. I think I it's Kamala, Kamala, not Kamala. I'm going to say Kamala. I, I think really, that's right. I, I knew, but I forgot. To, <laughs> I don't know if she had much to... Really? I, I don't know. Because Joe I've Biden's seen so many different very... Yeah, I've seen so many different conspiracy theories as to like, like, oh my God, like Nancy Pelosi's going to introduce this bill and it's going to be that like, <laughs> if you're mentally unstable, like you're going to be unfit for office and like... Then they're gonna declare him unfit for office, and then Kamala's gonna get in what? office. And that's it's ridiculous. Like, why do they want Kamala in office? That's like she was polling one percent in the entire primary. That's, that's ridiculous. Like, I, I, I don't know. It just seems really crazy. But, I just I yeah. think um, Kamala appeals to people, to to a lot of what you're saying with these progressives. She's progressive. That's for sure. But she and I think was she very, appeals very, to them. She was very very unpopular due to her uh, criminal justice record. Mm, her, yeah. um, I think she was attorney general in California, but she was in very very popular with progressive. Yeah, she put a lot of people in jail for weed. She yeah, put a lot like, of people for jail for that, yeah. and then comes out and says she wants to legalize it. What? Yeah. Or, and I think we need to yeah. accept people's growth. I'm not going to sit here and say that because she jailed people for marijuana before yeah. that she's not allowed to come out and say she likes it. I think that that mindset is a cancer to society. Saying that saying that someone said this X years ago. Sure, if they said yeah. it last week, 
fine. But if they said X thing years ago, they did X thing years ago. Same with Joe yeah. Biden and how he locked up all these people. It's something consider, but better than that, why don't we give him the benefit of the doubt? And if yeah. his bills start showing that he hasn't changed, if his policies show he hasn't changed, he hasn't changed. But yeah. someone like Kamala, I'm not going to sit here and say that she's unfit because she jailed people and now she's contradicting herself. Hopefully she just grew and she learned that yeah. her actions were bad. But it's also possible that that wasn't the reason. Yeah. And she's doing it all for self-interest or for lobby. I don't know. There's all kinds of possibilities. I think Joe Biden um, and I think to a lesser extent Kamala Harris are political opportunists. I think they're doing whatever mm. is most popular at the time. There is like mm. very clear footage of Joe Biden saying back in 2008, I want to say, that like he opposes gay marriage. But it's like now he's very clearly in under the Obama administration um, in 2015, I want to say it was the court case um, that legalized uh, federal gay marriage or whatever. Um, so it's like, I think in the 1994 crime bill is a really good example mm -hmm. because back then crime was at a, uh, an all time high. So he was doing whatever, what was politically expedient at the time to make sure that he was seen well in the eyes of the public yeah. or whatever. Um, but I don't think that like, that is the end all be all. I don't think that because he signed the 1994 crime bill mm -hmm. that he forever, um, he, or I don't think that now he is disqualified because of something that happened all the way back in 1984. Yes, I agree. Um, I think that he's doing whatever is politically expedient. I think he's a textbook politician. I think I, I don't agree with him. I think he was like my fifth choice in the primaries. But I think that um, he's certainly a better choice than Trump when it comes mm. to so many different things. Like what? So, um, whatever I think of climate change. Um, yeah, that's a, I, that's a I very agree good. on that one. The environment, <laughs> Trump's stance on the yeah. environment is not good. Yeah, so it's I think good. like... That's a pretty good one. I think um, his stance on uh, minimum wage is pretty good. Um, mm. His stance on whether or like the power differential between workers and corporations, mm. I think that's pretty good. Um, I don't know. I think just like in general, I think climate change was definitely the one reason. Yeah, what I think, yeah, I think about police reform as well was definitely mm. a good one. So okay. Oh, let's talk about police reform. Yeah, Not right now, but let's get into that. What I want to also what I want to say about climate change is that real quick. No, Anthony, you're not allowed to pee on my podcast. <laughs> okay, we were at climate change. Yeah. So what change. I want to bring up about this is that there's multiple arguments here, and people like to act like climate change is a yes or no issue. People like to act like you're either for climate change or against climate change, and that's absurd because there's three questions here. Is the climate of the earth changing? Yes. Look at science. That is happening. You can't deny yeah. that. Question number two, are humans responsible for it? If you look at the science, mostly yes, overwhelmingly yes. An argument can be made that humans aren't responsible for it, okay? Question three, can we do something to fix it? Okay, so yeah. there's three questions here. And what we need to do is make this a nuanced conversation about climate change because the problem is I feel like a lot of Trump people hear climate change and they think, oh no, I don't, I'm not for climate change. And a lot of people on the left hear climate change and they say, what? You don't support climate change? No, there's three questions that need to be asked. And, and if you're going to have a conversation about this, the, those those three questions are, are important. And I think regardless yeah. of whether humans are responsible for the changing in the environment, we need to be looking for environmental-friendly means just on, just on sheer premise. Yeah. Just on sheer premise of we don't want to ruin our world. Maybe... Maybe it's not obvious that humans are responsible for climate change right now, but if you look at green, like things that are typically green, if they're better for the earth in general, 
even if they're not preventing some global catastrophe, if they're better for the earth, why are we not doing it if we live here? Yeah, so I think like the third question is a lot more um, useful than the second question. Definitely. Um, Because I think like it's pretty analogous to the idea of like, are white people responsible for the uh, material conditions that black people are living in today? Probably yes, because we look at um, who who set in place the Jim Crow laws, who set in place segregation, who set in place slavery. Yeah, if you look Probably back, white people. If but, you look back, I think I, I just want, just real quick. It's yeah. not. I wouldn't use the term white people because yeah. when you use that term, you imply that someone like you and I is somehow responsible for it. And obviously, anyone who sits on thinks about this isn't going yeah. to think that you and I are responsible for it. Yeah. But I think it's important to say that we're. People and were white were the people responsible for slavery white. Yeah. Yes, I think yeah. I think I think just 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 on the slight the slight difference in those two sentences is important to clear that up. Yeah, but I don't think like it's like a useful question at all because like mm-hmm. I, I I don't know <laughs> I just, I just don't think it's very useful. Right. I think like the most useful question is what can we do about it now? Yes. What are the policies that we can put in place today to mitigate the um, negative implications of climate change and yes. what are the what are the legislation or what are what are some p- key pieces of legislation that we can put into place to um, improve the material conditions of the black community yeah well I, I can't wait to get into this police yeah, this will so be good I, I think that um, the second question isn't that helpful I think that um, if we look at what we can do I think um, investing in clean energy is probably a really good thing um, because it's a it's a field that's very untapped untapped into so far, and I think that in the United States we have the infrastructure to do so. Yes. And so whenever we kind of get into um, the breadth of uh, funding green energy and things like that, I think that other countries will follow suit, and then we can sell things to them. We can provide research for them. I think that yeah. um, it's a very finance it's a very good financial move to yeah. invest in a green energy not only is it good for the environment but it's going to be good for us financially because yeah. other countries are going to be dependent on us to kind of lead the way in yeah, yeah that market so. yeah what i see is that i think research needs to be spent in green energy research more than anything yeah. we don't need to be implementing things right now that's like genuinely i don't think solar power wind power water power i think i think if we wait maybe Okay, some people say we have seven years to fix the environment, and that's something. Seven to twelve. I'm not going to get into that because if we're talking numbers, I don't know the numbers behind this. What I'm, what, what I want to say is that research. We need to get these technologies to the point that when we put them out, there's no question whether we ever should have done this. These people who questioned whether we should switch from oil to electric, we, I think we, if we got these technologies to the point that there was no question that we could show someone, look at how much energy the solar panel is producing and look at how little energy it costs to create, yeah. that's when we need to push for implementing these things. Right now, it's all research because solar panels right now take, like we use so much coal to build a solar panel that it can be argued that it's not even worth it to use solar panels right now. And yeah. I, that again, that's a numbers game that I'm not going to get into and claim to know the facts about, but I've heard arguments that solar panel legitimately just isn't worth it right now because of how much coal goes into producing it. That's why I think research into the environment, that's or in terms of environmental friendly energy, that that needs to be pushed. And that's yeah, that's I'm one thing that, that, that definitely yeah. Biden did better than Trump. I don't yeah, think exactly. for people who think for people who may say that we need to be giving people solar panels and all that stuff right now, I would say and again, this is this is a field that I don't have a lot of expertise in. But from what I see, let's wait until the technology is better to start really pushing this. Yeah. Because if we can get to the point that we can one that in a year maybe, I don't I don't want to say a year, but in a short time period, phase out coal. Yeah. That would be 
great. But yeah. I think, and I think that might be better than trying to do it slowly and setting up infrastructure that's going to end up being replaced anyways. Yeah. Um, so I guess like, I don't really know, I'm not going to claim to know like the exact specifics of what exactly we should do to make sure that climate change is mitigated. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like I do know that. Would you it, mind pushing that door close for me oh, real yeah. quick? Sorry. I meant to mention that earlier. But I mean, like, I do know that if we have somebody on one hand who has very clearly since like 2013, 2014, mm-hmm. um, rejected the idea of climate change as a reality at yeah. all, and it was very instrumental and, and has pushed it as like a, a tool for China to um, kind of prop themselves as prop themselves up financially against the United States mm-hmm. um, and saying it's a hoax, um, just things like that, just rejecting is it. Um, categorically rejecting it as a reality mm-hmm. in general then we have somebody who wants to invest in clean energy yeah. you know, somebody who has a I want to say it was like a two trillion dollar plan to invest in green energy and make sure that mm-hmm. we're um, uh, what is it I think it was like buy clean energy by 2025 or 2050 or like something like that yeah um, somebody who is generally listening to scientists and somebody who um, wants to move in the right direction I think it's a no-brainer Whenever it comes to climate change. Yeah, I think in that issue, Biden yeah. Biden wins out. Biden wins out, and if yeah. Trump, I think if Trump had accepted that position, yeah. he could have done, done a lot better. It's not for him but, to do so. Right. Um, there's a very specific strain of anti anti intellectualism on the right. Um, the idea that like climate scientists are lying to you, like all of these researchers, researchers and sociologists, uh, they're all lying to you. Like Trump is the only. Um, Trump's the only person we can trust to give us the real news because he's anti-establishment. Mm-hmm. Listen, he's talking shit about all of these politicians. Like, yeah. I'm going to listen to this guy. So, I, I don't know. Yeah. So, and it's I think, definitely not politically expedient for him mm-hmm. to kind of come in support of climate change. So, pulling yeah. out of the Paris Climate Accord, like, I, I don't know. See, I thought, from yeah. what I remember reading on that, I remember when that when he pulled out of that, I read about it and I agreed. Really? I agreed. I don't, rem- yeah. I don't remember why. So, yeah. I will say for anyone listening to this, look up the Paris... Climate yeah, Accord and, and read it for yourself, but I remember reading it and saying, okay, I agree with this. Yeah, wasn't it like um, like uh, an agreement between so many different countries to make sure that we um, are investing in clean energy and making sure that we um, keep below a certain CO2 emissions and things like that? I don't know. I, I think it was probably a good thing. Um, I don't, I don't not remember. that he pulled out, but that could, I could be thing. thinking of another bill as well. Yeah, I could yeah, think another, but I, I feel yeah. like I'll, I'll look it up after yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. But, but another thing is when we get into foreign policy between Trump and Biden. That's really, really for tough. me, for me, I voted for Trump mostly because of his foreign policy. For real, yeah. because what I see is the Democratic Party, I think, may make this country better in the next couple years. I think it may lead to a yeah. better America. But what I see, I, I what so. I see long-term, and this is a deep dive, because this is like, this was something that I struggled with for a while, is who to vote for. And what I ended up, it just feels, it feels like, I, I don't want to be someone who's, who's, who, is afraid. I don't want to be someone who inspires fear in people, but what I see yeah. is around the world, countries that have taken away personal liberties, I see our Democratic Party possibly enacting those same things on us slowly over time, and possibly especially with Biden and how much how much business he has with China. I really... I really feel like I don't, I want to do. Me and Wade have talked about doing an episode where we, where we specifically talk about China and the threat yeah. of China in the world. And I really just think that when it comes down to it, and there was a, there was other reasons as well. But yeah, so when but Trump's that, like, Trump's view on China and the, all the tariffs he put on them and all these kind of things, I think what's happening in the United States is we owe the the we owe China so much money, and so many of our politicians that are in are in business with China. 
okay? Hollywood is in business with China. China directly tells Hollywood to take things out of movies because it offend, because they don't want their people to hear about it. I think when, you, when I look just at the climate of the world, I'm scared of what might happen under under the Democratic Party in terms of foreign relations, just in terms of not standing up to people and doing what's what seems like the morally obvious thing to do at a certain time, but looking overall at the degradation of people's freedoms that China may impose on us. And I know that's a lot that I just said at once, and we can we want, I want to go into specifics. Yeah, so like point by point. So mm-hmm. whenever you talk about other countries implementing things that are kind of degraded or degrading like their personal freedoms or whatever mm-hmm. like what's an example of, or that you said that the democratic party could be modeling like what's an example of that let's see it's something and it's mostly going to be more authoritarian type things like yeah something as simple as the enforcement of masks okay and that might seem silly because really? I, I wear a mask yeah but i think enforcing it is absurd because just telling people that they have to do something me and caleb talked about this a lot on the last one is that yeah. telling people that they have to do something instead of educating them on why they should do it because if you look at the history of China, a lot of their decisions that they've made, they've convinced the public that they're that what they're doing is for the good of the nation, and that the things that they're doing are benefiting the whole of the nation, and it just it keeps going until the people have no power. And what I'm worried about is, especially since China has so much influence in things like Hollywood and in our politicians, is that these people could be bla- these people may be blatantly lying to us and could be bought out. And I know that sounds China like speculation, or like politicians. Politicians bought out by China. China okay. compl- I don't. I think I see. China, I see China as a very, very big threat to this world because of what they've done to their to their, um, what what China has done to their civilians, and that there's a lot of their people are convinced that it's for the better. Yeah, but I mean, like, I don't think that um, enforcing masks during a pandemic, which we very largely know not much about mm-hmm. i don't think that's generally a bad thing because we know it's respiratory we know it's airborne we know that um when people are in close quarters with each other it's probably going to be transmitted a lot more easily than if people are um far away from each other so i, d- I don't think that enforcing masks is generally a bad thing and i think I that think, like i don't mm-hmm. think that like if the government says we should do something that there's a causal chain between that and us becoming as authoritarian as China. I think we can think critically about the things that the government asks of us. I really don't think we can. can? Based on social media and how people just eat things up. People really just eat things up and don't look into things. So something like masks, for example, I guarantee most people have no idea a single number behind masks and the benefit they have. They hear someone like Joe Biden tell you to wear a mask. They hear someone like Dr. Fauci tell you to wear a mask and they wear a mask. And what we're doing is teaching people compliance as opposed to critical thinking. And that's what I'm worried about. If yeah, we, we can, can look teach, at the studies, if we, we can look at the studies that say that, like, if we had implemented masks and social distancing even two weeks earlier, we, we could have saved, like, thousands and thousands of lives. So I don't think at that, like... At what cost, though? At the cost of teaching people that they should blindly listen to authority instead of taking the time to build up the numbers and build up the research and present that to people. And that's why that's why I, I, we talked earlier before this about how education is a huge problem in the United States, is yeah. that we don't need to teach people to comply. We need to teach people to... Think critically. And we need to present data on masks and say, yeah. here is strict data that shows if you wear a mask, less people will die. Now make that choice to wear a mask for yourself. But we should also be educate maybe we should also educate people on why maybe you should be willing to wear a mask if it if it saves other people's lives. Because a lot of people may hear yeah. that and say, Okay, well, I don't feel like wearing a mask. I don't care if people die. And of course yeah. there's gonna be people like that, but I think the outcome of that is much better than if you mandate just about anything. When you mandate things, people naturally 
people don't like authority. As much as we want to pretend like we we're okay with authority, people don't like authority. People don't like being told what to do. And I think even people who pretend or not pe- people who aren't as opposed to authority, deep down those people don't like the idea of authority. Yeah, no, I, I don't disagree with the, with the idea that people don't like authority. It, mm-hmm. But I don't think that like waiting around and being like, oh, like can we do a, a couple uh can we do a couple studies on like the effect, the efficacy of masks? Mm-hmm. Like while people are dying in the thousands by day by day by day by day, um, in the early stages, like we had no clue what this virus was. Mm-hmm. We knew that um, it come out of China. We knew that um, it was respiratory. But like in the early stages, we knew very very little about yes. it. But I think that like there were some steps that we could have done. We could have been traveled from Europe and China a little bit earlier. Mm-hmm. We could have. Um, pressured governors to say that like hey like we should probably wear masks we should probably um, not I hate the idea of like closing up businesses because I don't um, I know that like there are a lot of small businesses that a lot of people rely on for their well-being or whatever but I think that like there are um, funds in the government to kind of offset those negative implications of closing businesses but um, really I, I think that there are things that we could have done earlier I think um, in because the like beginning we, because yes. it's an unknown virus. I think we in the have, beginning, still yes. have no clue how to treat it. So yeah, yeah when in the it, beginning, when yeah. this was first coming out, I mean, I was I was quite worried. Yeah, I don't know how you could not be when yeah. you see something like this. But I think very quickly we should have realized that this isn't nearly as bad as we thought. And and this is all based on this all started from us discussing a mask mandate, which hasn't happened. It's not like a mask mandate has happened. Yeah. But what I what I say the reason I said that is the point that the Democratic Party is teaching people that these personal sacrifices in general for the sake of the establishment is the way that you have to go. And I don't think, I think it's for the sake of the establishment. I think it's for the sake of like the the betterment of society. Well, that, that, well that, that's what I mean. Is yeah, that they're I think collectivism it's, is probably a good thing. Right, and I think... I disagree, but I think a, a good argument can be made for that. And what yeah. I ju- what I see is that just because the United States is in so much business with China, we're in so much debt to them. Joe Biden himself, his son, they have so many ties to China that when I see the things that they're preaching, these collectivist ideas, and I see how much how much they probably owe to China. Let's be real. China could probably tell these guys to do something and they would do it. That's how I feel about it. If I I, I understand why people would disagree with that because there's no hard thing I can point to that says for this reason. Biden yeah, like is going to do what China says. This is this is very theoretical stuff that I see going on in the world, China becoming a superpower. And what I see is as much as I disagree with the Trump administration on things like the environment, on things like abortion, and it hurt me very – and immigration. I disagree with them and it hurt me very much to support that. But what it came down to was just this overall ideology of – empowering the individual. And I don't think the Republican Party contribute. I don't think the Republican Party is a good um, is a good image of what I'm describing here, but I think they were a lot closer of this image of we don't need to be teaching people to sacrifice their own well-being for the well-being of everyone because the only logical way that ends is in communism. And there was a, and a long time, no, listen, a long time ago, I would have made fun of myself for saying that because it sounds like I'm saying the Democratic Party is communist. That's not what I'm yeah. saying. I'm just saying, where do we stop? Where do we stop if we're going to keep telling people to give for the needs of the many, where do we stop? Especially when the people preaching this to us owe trillions of dollars to China. That's te- that's scary to me. I don't think it's like the people individually that own trillion dollars to China. No, not individually. I, yeah, not I think individually. That, like we have a national debt. We we have owed, uh, we owe money to other countries. I don't mm-hmm. I don't think that's anybody's going to dispute that. But I don't think that like enforcing a mask mandate for a virus that we still very little know very little about. Mm-hmm. 
Like we we don't have like a killer drug for it. I know that like for influenza. Okay, let's let's not use masks because that okay because I, yeah, yeah. I, I would agree early on yeah. a mask mandate. I wouldn't have been super opposed to it. I think as soon as we realized that coronavirus wasn't going to kill up to I don't know a certain percent of the population. Mask mandates, re- a mask mandate shouldn't happen. We should teach yeah. people why they should wear a mask. So like, what's Let's say example? if they if they mandated the vaccine, the coronavirus vaccine. Yeah, what do you think about that? I think that's vaccine. a terrible idea. I well, yeah, but I, I think there's a. <laughs> I I don't know if that's a terrible idea. I have to think about it a little bit more just because uh-huh. like I haven't grappled with that yet. But I don't think that like that's anywhere near what the Democratic Party is going to do at any point soon. I don't think mm-hmm. at any point Joe Biden's going to be like, hey, like. You have to get the vaccine. I think at the, like the Operation Warp Speed or whatever set out by the Trump yeah. administration said like if the numbers are going like they are right now, if not mitigated by Biden's um, mm-hmm. funds to accelerate vaccine deployment, right? That I think everybody was going to be vaccinated by the year twenty thirty. Mm-hmm. I think even then, or mm-hmm. at least a majority by twenty thirty. I think even then we still are going to have like a very large majority of the pop, or not a very large majority. But a, a good chunk of the population that's going to be distrustful of the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, like, even then, I, I don't know. Yeah, and I don't want to sit here and tell you that I think Joe Biden's going to mandate the vaccine. I'm not going to uh, sit he here. Won't. I'm not going to pretend to be able to predict yeah. anything that's going on in the future. But what I see is that if between our two parties, if we have to pick between the two, if it comes down to foreign conflict, I trust the Republican Party to handle it a lot better than I trust the Democratic Party not to bend over and just take whatever's coming to us for the sake of the well-being of the world, when at the end of the day, foreign interests, foreign powers have interests in the United States. Yeah. We have to accept that that's a thing. Russia, remember the whole two, the whole 2016 thing where the Democrats were 100% certain that Russia caused Trump to win? I I haven't heard conversation about that in a long time, but I think well, I, mean, I think things things like that, it's not like they're not happening. It's not like yeah. Russia isn't still constantly trying to win influence in the United States. Like China's not doing that, Saudi Arabia's not doing that. These other, these countries have interest here. And what I see is that I think I think if there's going if there's going to be conflict, like I said, I would trust the Republican Party to handle it more than the Democratic Party. Not that I would trust the Republican Party to handle it well, yeah. but I'm just very worried that when it comes down to this idea of sacrificing for the overall well-being, that it it could come to the point that we're forced to make very difficult worldwide decisions in terms of the well-being of the United States versus the rest of the world, especially when we owe how $20 trillion I don't to know these other countries. Is, That's scary. That's a lot of money. And yeah. what happens if they decide they want it from us one day? What do... Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I don't uh, have it. I don't even know what to say about that because I don't yeah. know what would even take place. Uh, but I feel like the foreign landscape of the world right now, the United States isn't in a good position. We like to pretend that because we have a big military, we're in a good position. But if a, if a takeover of the United States, and I don't want I don't want to try to make people afraid. This yeah. is stuff I think about as possibility. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sit here and say that I think China's gonna take over the world. I'm yeah. not gonna sit here and say that. Do I think it is it is very possible? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Look at what they're doing. They have, they have they doing, forced though? people to disacknowledge the existence of Hong Kong and Taiwan. They have forced yeah. they forced mainstream movies that Doctor Strange video. This is something I learned about that was very interesting is that Doctor Strange, you remember the the lady that taught Doctor Strange? I didn't watch Doctor Strange. Okay. Well there was this I'm lady sorry. there was there was this character that was supposed to be a Taiwanese monk, and China okay. came and said, Taiwan doesn't exist, take that character out of your movie. Now it's a woman and there's no mention of Taiwan. Because yeah. this is this is the whole idea is just disseminating information. Taiwan? What? Take over Taiwan? Taiwan doesn't exist. That's China. It's this whole idea of you you, you won't even see it coming because they'll convince you yeah. that it's not true. And that's what I'm worried about. And what I would hope for I would hope for someone to get in office who 
cares about free speech? Cares for free speech, yeah. cares about the well-being of the people, and is willing to stand up for foreign adversaries where I think Joe Biden would not stand up to foreign adversaries. Yeah, and I, I'll admit right now that I don't know a lot about foreign policy, but I do think that foreign policy is one of the, the very many reasons to vote for anybody at all. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that whenever we talk about free speech, I think that Trump yeah. saying that he wants to open up libel laws to make it easier to sue the media, him taking away press credit press credentials from certain journalists at meetings um very openly attacking the media saying that like the dishonest media the fake news launching an all-out attack against journalists and people doing very honest journalism and things like that is incredibly terrifying there are very for few the first honest journalists i really don't think jur- i think i think if there's one thing i disagree I, I agree with trump about it's the fact that the media is fake really oh, these like, media these media companies are bought out okay there's shell corporations that own all these different medias and if you look look up Sinclair Broadcasting Group I'm not I, I don't remember what which specific companies they own but there there's this corporation and they own all these media platforms and they tell them what to say CNN and all them if you listen to all these generally left and I hate I hate using general terms like that but yeah. I think you get what I mean these generally left-leaning um, news news stations they yeah. all say the same stuff because they're told they're told what to say okay yeah. and a lot of what well, we have to realize is that media I don't I genuinely don't trust any media source out there because any? they no I don't really? I don't and I'm sure I could find one I trust it's not like yeah. I've done a bunch of digging to try to find one but what I see is that every single person on this planet has an interest okay and if I'm a media corporation and I think that, that Donald Trump is a menace to society I'm gonna tell my network to push that narrative so then you're my narrative my network's gonna start fabricating things and that's what i've seen over the past four years is that they have fabricated so much crap against trump that i can't trust them because they're focusing on all the wrong issues and whenever i read news stories i was reading a news story the other day okay and right. they just it, the, the whole idea of the news story was that people who who think that masculinity is a good thing generally vote for trump that was the point of this article yeah I, Okay, that's probably yeah. yeah. I, I, who would disagree with that? Yeah. But they slid in this one line that said it was it had nothing to do with the rest of the article. They slid in this one line that said masculinity outweighs any racist, homophobic, xenophobic things that people might feel that cause them to vote for Trump. And that right there is a perfect example of what I, of what I mean. Is that was they're that subconsciously a... telling you that those things are related. To Trump, and they've almost, and I'm not gonna say that racist people are gonna vote for Biden over Trump because they're not, but there's an agenda that's being pushed. And if you just read news articles, it is so blatantly obvious that none of them care. That I don't want to say none of them because I'm sure there's I'm sure there's good journalists out there. I'm sure there are good articles out there. But the majority of them, there's a they have something they're trying to push, and they're not looking at the facts. They're putting in lines like that to persuade you, and that's why I don't. That's why I don't trust the media. That's why I think Trump is right that there isn't there is fake news because that's what it is. It's about clicks. What can you what headline can you make that gets clicks? That is gen, that is genuinely the purpose of most media nowadays is how to get clicks because your advertisers are giving you money. And it sounds so cynical to say that it's all money. But yeah, but looking I don't think at that it, like any of the major um, major news corporations or whatever mm-hmm. are really doing fake like literally like uh totally fabricated news i don't think that's it i think that like they could very easily be doing um biased news and i think that like i think it's the same thing i think it's the same really? thing because you're portraying things so you in think a certain that, like, light somebody that's lying and somebody that has a bias do you think that's the same exact okay thing? they're not they're not the exact same thing but i think the effect is very similar that you're convinced you're convincing people of things when but you I paint think that, something like, lying, in a certain light you are convincing someone in a, of a certain way that it happened 
if that makes sense. I don't. I'm not gonna say that CNN is saying Trump. I, I, I'm not gonna say that CNN is out here posting that Trump said something that he just blatantly never said. But I will say that Trump says something and they vastly misinterpret it all the time. All the time. Yeah. And to me, that's fake news. That's what it is. It's misinterpretation. It's giving opinions where opinions aren't needed. It's not presenting facts. But it's I mean, presenting... like, that's the point of editorials is to do, like, opinions, right? All major news mm -hmm. corporations have editorials. Like, the New York right. Times, the Washington Post, CNN, Fox News. Everybody's Reuters, AP, they're all going to have their editorials. Mm -hmm. But I don't know about Reuters and AP, but I know that, like, most of the major news corporations, most of the major journalistic outlets are going to have, like, editorials and they're going to have, like, opinion pieces or whatever. And that's a little bit different than, like, the news that's a little bit different than um uh reporting on what has happened the oh. facts of the case and things like that i think nowadays they become too blended you can't look at any there's no news you can point to that doesn't have opinion in mainstream at least they I mean, all like, give the their opinion yeah. with it and then your opinion starts to change with it like when okay let's What's get capitol hill biden calls those people domestic terrorists okay now right. what you believe when you listen to biden talk is that domestic terrorists took over the capital i don't think that's the case i don't think calling those people domestic terrorists is accurate i think what they should have done is what biden should do present the exact facts of what happened and if you can listen to that and say that they're domestic terrorists make up your mind but i think to say that terrorists took over the senate building that's exasperated that, that is blatant fear-mongering but did in he my say that opinion. yes he said he took over the senate building he called the people at the Capitol Hill that took over the Senate building domestic terrorists. But I mean, like, did he say that they took over the Senate or whatever? Is that like I could have sworn that's what you were just said. Where but. the Biden said the people that took over the Senate building are domestic terrorists. So he's telling okay. people that domestic terrorists took over the Senate building. Yeah. And if his wording was off on that, then that's my bad. But I, yeah. I, from what I remember seeing, that's what that is what he said. And to me. That, that's that's fear mongering, and I think a lot of what what the fake news nowadays is is fear mongering and not giving people the benefit of the doubt. If you yeah. if something someone says can be interpreted to make them look bad, that's what they go after, and that's fake news. That is yeah. Mi per misinterpreting. The problem is that if you go to most of these people, they're gonna have justifications for why they think all these things. That's the problem. Yeah. Is it's not like I can say, well, you said Trump said this thing. Well, they're going to say, well, yeah, look at X Y Z thing Trump's done. That's why I interpret it this way. But we need to get back to fact based, fact based media instead of opinion based media. What exactly happened here? That's what people need to know. People don't need to know that Trump's racist, he's homophobic, all these things. Tell them the facts. Don't push this yeah. narrative on people because to me, that's what the fake news is. And I think a lot of people think that Trump is all these things that if they actually looked at the, just the facts without opinion, they would not come to those conclusions by themselves. And I, that's what bias is, isn't it? That's kind of what bias is, is placing what? the conclusion on people instead of only giving them the facts. Uh, I mean, I think I agree, but I don't think that like reporting on what Biden said is bias or fake, fake news. No, no. I'm, what I'm saying yeah, there yeah. is that what Biden was saying was an example of that almost. Even though Biden isn't the media, but I, they yeah. do that kind of – they do that exact same type of thing all the time. What where, do you mean? Where they'll exaggerate things. They'll exaggerate things. Okay, I saw an article the other day about how white evangelical Christians took over the Capitol building. That's fake news in my opinion. Okay, sure, there was a Jesus flag out there, but play – but – Framing what happened at the Capitol as an attack by white evangelical Christians is causing division where division doesn't need to be had. Let's look. Let's say. Let's say right wing extremists took over the Capitol because that's what happened. Yeah, that's what I happened. That. There's no reason to frame this as 
there's no reason to frame this as some terrible thing committed by whites and committed by Christians. No, these are extremists. Yeah. These are extremists. And that's that's when I say when I say fake media, that's kind of what I mean by that. Is yeah, that I mean, this I'll... narrative is just constantly being pushed where a narrative at all doesn't need to be pushed. People aren't being allowed to make their own decisions. They're being told what to think or to, to form their own opinions. They're being told what to think. I mean, I guess I'll have to look at that specific article because I, I haven't said I re- I haven't uh, read it or anything. But, right, but that that type yeah. of stuff I just see so often. Is yeah. that exact same type of thing happening everywhere, where people are being opinions are being forced down people's throats, where simple facts would be good enough? I don't think that like the major news. Like I think that like we, on one hand, I do believe that we do have the biased news media sources because I remember being in a household where Fox News was being. Um, blasted on the TV mm-hmm. 24-7. It's just a 24-7 news cycle of very blatantly right-wing media. And I'm sure CNN is the same thing on the other side. Yeah. But, uh, of course, I believe that we do have biased media sources. Right. On the other hand, we have the totality of human knowledge in our pockets. We have phones. We can seek out unbiased media sources, but people such as Reuters don't. or AP. But, I mean, like that's more of a dig on the people because those mm-hmm. media sources are out there. Mm-hmm. Well... That's they, really hard to say. They dominate I, I don't the really, conversation. They really yeah, I don't do. really know how I feel about placing individual blame on um, something that a corporation has very specifically done. But um, I don't know. I, I do believe that um, people, and I don't mean this against you, but I do think right. that people complain a lot about like fake news and mm-hmm. me- um, very biased media sources. But it's like there are media sources out there, and there have been studies yeah. done about this, about like the ways that they lean mm-hmm. and the ways that they present their news. And I do think that there are very um, middle of the line, like Reuters is a really good example, okay. AP is a really good example, of like very unbiased media sources okay. that I think that are 100% out there, but we choose to focus on CNN and Fox News and yeah. um, very biased media sources. So maybe if we just stop talking about them, it would help. Yeah, because... Or, it's not that easy because we have Trump um, before he was uh, before he was banned from Twitter like almost daily tweeting about how CNN is fake news and like nothing they do is good and like the journalistic integrity he even attacked Fox News whenever it came out that a poll put him behind Joe Biden during the uh, during the general mm-hmm. things like that so it's very very hard when you have public officials who have so much public outreach very blatantly attacking um, journalism and yeah. things like like it's very very hard I somebody who has talked about in the past wanting to uh, wanting wanting to open up libel laws and to make it easier to sue the media things like that like it's very very concerning yeah. I think yeah. I think it should be plenty easy to sue the media because the media causes a lot of a lot of disruption in the world. The media puts a lot of people under attack that don't need to be under attack. But I think all the, the time because it's because it's for it's for clicks and it's for money. And that's another thing where it just it just gets into the the money of the world and where the money is going. The Democratic Party, how much money do they have in these corporations? The Republican Party, how much money do they have in these media corporations? Because that's where the fake news is going to come from. Is if they if just they're told to is if they're told to push a narrative. And the facts don't line up with that narrative, so they just frame it to seem to it. They frame it in a certain light yeah. to help that narrative, because that's what I see. Is it's like no matter what happens, CNN is gonna tell you that Trump did something wrong, and no matter what happens, Fox News is gonna tell you that the Democratic Party did something wrong. That's yeah, fake news. Not, they're not look and and of course that's where we get into what's biased versus fake news. Yeah, but I think that's it's just that regardless of whether it's biased or fake news, 
we can't trust them. And I like that. I like that you said that there are news sites that we can trust because yeah, I think yeah. you name dropping them specifically is important so that people can realize that it doesn't have to be this way. If you stop yeah. listening to the CNNs, if you stop listening to the Foxes, you'll start forming your own opinions because you're not constantly being fed Trump bad, Trump bad, Democrats bad, Democrats bad. Yeah. And you'll start being able to form opinions on who's good and who's bad instead of having someone tell you these things. Yeah, it's just hard to place individual blame on a problem that's propagated by like billion dollar corporations like CNN and Fox. It's hard because we probably hard don't know say. half of the facts. Yeah, it's hard to say that like, oh, people should just look up better news sources whenever it's very heavily propagated by billion dollar industries. Yeah. But um, I don't know. Whenever I think of um, like the First Amendment, I think freedom of the press is incredibly important. Yeah. I don't think it should be easy to sue the media. I think mm -hmm. that like you should have to prove that the media has very blatantly um, published something about you that is um, not true or something that mm -hmm. is damaging to your character or libel or whatever. Um, I think that it shouldn't be easy to sue the media because then we create a culture of a media that's incredibly scared to um, publish anything bad mm -hmm. about say the president or whatever because they fear that they will be sued I think that's an incredible I think that's yeah. a chilling effect I think what we have so. what we have right now is something very similar and I think that in a specific case like that I would have to look at these libel laws and say because yeah. obviously I, ha I of course I have an ideal level of how easy it is to sue a media corporation yeah. now, and I would think if you and I talked we probably agree on that so when I say I Maybe. think it should be easy to sue them, I would think we probably agree. I don't think you should just be able to sue someone because you think they mess with yeah. your reputation. Yeah, I think we would probably be we should probably be very close on that. Where was I going with that? Where was I going with that? I don't know. You said we probably yeah. agree. Probably we probably agree on what on the standard that needs to be held for you to be able to sue these corporations. Yeah. At the same time, I see a lot of I see a lot of media sites. It, I had a really specific point I was going to make, but it's these media these media sites have a very very much influence on everything. Yeah, right? they, ha they have tons of influence on everything that's going on. So they yeah. have they almost need to be held accountable. But at the same time, I don't agree with holding people responsible for everything that their actions cause. Okay, so if these media sites say all this bad stuff about Trump and people take action because of that, I don't think. I don't agree with necessarily putting all of that blame on the media because of that. The people hold responsibility too, okay? Yeah. You can be fed information all you want, but at the end of the day, how you interpret that information also has very much to do with you. Yeah, no, I, very much I, to I do agree. With you. I think that I'll have to think about that a little bit more, and mm -hmm. it's not something I've thought about much, but the idea that there are in incredibly biased, toxic, predatory um, news media stations like Fox News. And I do think Fox News is incredibly predatory in the way that they yeah. target and fearmonger like the older population who may have less access to um, social media and other mm -hmm. news outlets and things like that. Um, uh, balancing that and the idea that we have all of the knowledge that we need. Mm -hmm. um, I think I'd probably lean on the side of... Um, uh, indicting the corporations a little bit more because I do think that we are a product of our environment. I do think I do take that. Um, I think it's like very easily to point in sociology that whenever people are put in predictable or when people are put in the, um, environments, we can very predictably uh, predict the out or we can very easily predict the outcome. Mm -hmm. um, so I I don't know. It's really hard. But then again, it's like how can we as a government without impeding on the First Amendment kind of 
not punish, but guide these media corporations in a way to where they aren't providing biased sources. But even then, is bias bad in and of itself? Is it? Because yeah, it may, like maybe a, it's good to hear. Maybe it's good to have someone to look to for the right, someone to look to for yeah, the left, so, so then you can yeah. meet in the middle. I think the problem is when people only watch CNN, when people only watch Fox. You're going to yeah. get indoctrinated to think what they think. If you want to hold the views of CNN, watch CNN a lot. If yeah. you want to hold the views of Fox, watch Fox a lot. Yeah. So maybe I, I think it would benefit. It would benefit just about everyone greatly to ju just look at different sources. Because I like to read if an issue comes up, right? I'm gonna see what CNN has to say. I'm gonna say what Fox has to say, and then I'm gonna go and I'm gonna look. I'm just gonna look through what most. I'm gonna look for a bunch of different sources on what multiple yeah. people are saying. Because if you only listen to one source, you you're genuinely just going to end up believing what they believe yeah then they have you they have you that's what they want yeah so i guess like my question is what's the prescription how, how do we fix this how do we fix this that's a yeah. hard problem get off social media i think that would fix a lot of our problems yeah. if people would get off social media and stop listening to twitter for other political discourse that would help <laughs> so many people's lives because it's you know do there are so many bots online and that's why i just yeah. can't even you can't trust social media just because it seems like everyone in the world agrees with you doesn't mean that half of them aren't coming out of a basement in Russia. And again, yeah. not to fear monger about foreign stuff, but this is real life. We have, there's evidence that foreign entities are sending bots into our political discussions and making, and stirring up trouble, making people yeah. believe certain things. This is happening. And, and social media is very much, very much a part of the problem. And I don't think yeah. having things like CNN and Fox is a bad thing, but yeah. if we could convince, if we could convince the majority of the population either to watch both or to watch more independent sources, that's the prescription. And part of the reason I started this whole podcast thing is because I think that's also part of the prescription, is conversations like these where we can explore both sides instead of me getting up here and saying XYZ reason Trump bad, XYZ reason why Biden's gonna do good, XYZ yeah. reasons why Democrats are bad, XYZ reasons why the news is fake and why I'm your savior if I'm Trump. We talk about it. That's what people yeah. need to be taking in instead of someone who's going to tell you what's happening in the world. Look at what's happening in the world according to all different people and make a decision, but it's also hard because people don't have infinite time. Yeah, These are, This is time out of people's lives to learn about this stuff. It is, and I think that like, it's a little bit tough to tell somebody who's working, and there are so many Americans like this who are working like 40-plus hour weeks mm -hmm. who have a family at home, and they're barely able to put food on the table, and they're barely able to make rent and things like that. To tell them to be politically active, yeah, and then at that point to say, hey, like the the news media that the news media source that you're trusting, like it's probably wrong. Like you sh you shouldn't be watching that. You should watch more independent stuff. Um, so mm -hmm. I guess like the pragmatic consequences of the stuff is a little bit more complicated, and that's why I haven't really come to a I guess prescriptive yeah. conclusion on this yet. But I think like you I just guess said, have to think about it a little bit. I more. think telling these people to look at independent news sources is the best single thing that we could do is if you only have time to watch an hour of news a day don't watch fox don't watch cnn these people are trying yeah. to indoctrinate you they are because that's that's how they get clicks is by you by you feeding into that echo chamber of ideas independent if there's one thing that you can do is just find an independent news source that genuinely looks at facts and doesn't push an opinion on you and you don't have to sit around and sitting around and thinking about this stuff deeply is good if you want to be active in this type of stuff. If you yeah, want to have a don't voice, want to be active. Exactly. If yeah. you don't want to be active, if you just want to make a make a quick rational decision and go vote, 
listen to independent sites. I think that's I think if there's a single easy thing that we can prescribe to America, it's that. It's stop listening yeah. to these places. Stop listening to these sources that you know are extreme. You've been hearing it for years that CNN is extreme. Just because CNN tells you they're not extreme doesn't mean they're not extreme. They but are. But then again, like as humans, we're mm-hmm. prone to so many different cognitive biases. We are. That it's like um, people like you and me who are like a little bit more withdrawn who don't um, rely on Fox News for mm-hmm. our entire political knowledge or whatever. Yeah. It's a little bit easier for us to say that like, oh, like these news corporations, like they're incredibly biased. But for somebody who is working like 50 to 60 hours a week, um, they come home, they just want to watch whatever's on the TV and they see Fox News and they're like, damn, like those Democrats are crazy. Like yeah. they're prone to so many different cognitive biases, like motivated reasoning. Yeah. Um, the idea that like we seek out whatever's going to make us feel good about whatever we believe in. Facts. Cognitive dissonance, the idea that like it makes us incredibly uncomfortable to n- learn new things that conflict with things that we already know. Mm-hmm. So it makes us less likely to seek out things that, um, or to seek out corporations or media sources that are going to disagree with we, well, yeah. what with what we already believe. So it's it's really really complicated. Yeah. This is um, why I, I don't think, think I have like a prescription just yet. I have to think about yeah. it a lot more. No, these so. are these are complex yeah. issues. Nothing that you yeah. and I could say in one sentence is going to fix any of these things. No yeah. potential solution. These are things that. All these things interact with each other. Politics, media, the working man at home. These things all interact because it's not like our politicians aren't giving money to these media corporations to push narratives. That's happening. It's not like these corporations aren't giving money to politicians to get up and say certain things on a podium and pass certain laws. This is happening. And this is why I – this is one of the reasons that I really dislike how many people push this idea of vote, vote, vote. If you're someone who doesn't keep up with politics at all, you watch maybe 10 minutes of political rated stuff a day, you don't know anything about these politicians, why am I going to sit here and tell you to go make a decision that's going to affect all of us? And I'm not saying that we should restrict voting by any means. No, everyone should be allowed to vote, but I don't like the idea of encouraging people who have no interest in politics, who have no interest in politics to go vote based on maybe a sentence or two they've they've read online. Yeah, that's really tough because I think that voting and people exercising that right is incredibly important i think that like the historic um turnout in this past election was really really cool we mm-hmm. saw like a lot of the youth come out and, yeah. and vote and things like that i think that's incredible but yeah the idea of like forcing somebody to to vote who is very politically disengaged and doesn't really have a place um not that they don't have a place but they're very disengaged. They don't really pay attention to politics. They don't really carry it away because yeah. they're working so many hours. Um, um, yeah, I don't know how I feel about it. Yeah, I think it's difficult. Because yeah. I don't want to say that only people who care a lot vote because then you're going to get mostly extremists voting and you're going to lead to yeah. and it's going to lead to division like we have today. But forcing people who don't know anything about it to vote, surely that can't, that's not going to lead to informed decisions and smart voting. But is this a problem, voting. though? That we're like, are we? Is anybody forcing people to? No one's forcing anyone but to I vote. It's, that, like, this, it's a narrative that gets pushed that you need to vote. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it's probably good because like people. Uh, so I guess like, uh, what I'm understanding of what you're saying is yeah. that like there was a very large social media push for people to vote. Yes. And they think that like the people that spend time on social media probably have time to look into politics. But are they if going you, to? Are they going to? I don't know. But those are the people, like, because social media is dominated by the younger generation. Mm-hmm. The younger generation is historically who just does not vote. And it's like, we have so much time. We have so much energy. We, or I mean, I, I can't say we have so much time because there are, like, a, a very large chunk of the younger generation that's part of the working class. But, um, 
I don't know. I think that like encouraging people to vote, encouraging people to be a part of the political process, um, preaching that to a generation that's historically the one that doesn't vote. I think that's probably a good thing. I think I think that people voting is a good. Thing. I think encouraging yeah. people to get informed is more important. And this is something that yeah, it's not yeah. like I be think, a part of the political process. I, I think yeah. that's incredible. It's not important. like yeah, yeah. I'm, it's not like I think I don't think that this social media push for like like trying to convince people to vote. I don't think realistically in maybe one election that has crazy consequences. If it didn't happen, the results would probably be very similar to how they are. But I think what it's doing is it's teach it's it's trying to get everyone into politics. And this is something yeah. that's very difficult. This is a very difficult conversation because politics affect all of us, but we don't want yeah. everyone to just spend their whole lives thinking about politics and learning about politics that there's no fun in human life if all you're doing is worrying about politics because the whole idea of politics is that these are laws that affect other areas of life but if all your time is being spent on the politics itself why does it matter what other area like how your other areas of life are affected so i think it's i think if we could push for people to get informed about politics yeah. then people are going to get informed and if they feel and if they think that they should go vote for a specific thing they're going to go vote for a specific thing it's like we're summing up this whole complicated idea of why you should go vote into just stamping go vote. Yeah. If someone's not informed, why should we be trying to convince them to go vote on something they're not informed about? Yeah. And I don't um, I don't wanna I don't wanna just do a whole rap, like deep dive on this whole idea of trying to convince people to vote, but it's just something I see in the culture that I think isn't benefiting anyone to convince people just to go vote. Just well, do it. Just I, go vote. I think youth voter turnout is incredibly important because I think that, like, when we look at, like, the, the demographics who votes, mm -hmm. it's always the young people that just don't do it. And I think that we have the – I've said this earlier, but we have the totality of human knowledge in our fingertips. Like, yeah. we, we have the ability to find out what we believe. It's a pretty hard process. It but, is. like, at least looking into the candidates and what they believe in and kind of what you care about and things like that and – I think encouraging the people to go vote is, yeah, a good thing. But I mean, like, I don't know, forcing people to vote? I, I don't think anybody's doing that. But no, I don't think that's I think that's that, happening. like, the, the larger narrative of, like, these are things that are affecting your neighbors. These are things that um, are affecting you, whether you know it or not. Um, education reform, it's something that's affecting you. Uh, student loan debt, right. something that's affecting you. Climate change is something affecting you. Right. If you're part of the African-American community, police reform is something that's affecting you. Um... I think police Even reform, if, it will, if it goes through, people will realize that it doesn't just benefit black communities, it benefits everyone. If yeah, we can, if because we can if get the black the community's working. doing well, if, if everybody's doing well, then the yeah. country's doing well, the, the yeah. economy's let's get doing in, well. Let's get yeah. into police, let's get into police reform. Yeah, that was kind of a tangent on voting, I don't know, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that's, just something, that's just something I think about sometimes, is like, why do we press people to vote so much? If you don't yeah. want to vote, don't vote. That's how I, that's what I think about. But let's get into, yeah. let's get into police reform, because I think this is, this is deeply important because yeah. we can talk about politics all we want and the laws that they enact but at the end of the day it's carried out by these people who wear blue and who pull you over and ruin your day that's who it's carried out by and these people have to live with that on their conscience that that's their job is to ruin your day most of the time yeah that's mostly what their job is it's <laughs> they're making you yeah. you're like oh come yeah, on getting pulled over yeah so i will go off on a tangent here i got pulled over one time and it was because i made an illegal left turn uh-huh and the lady was so 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 cool and she said that i was like 17 at the time i was pulling out of my work yeah and um she said because i had no other marks in my driving record that she was going to give me a warning so hey. maybe not all cops are bad hey maybe not all cops are bad after all <laughs> maybe a 
yeah, maybe I don't agree. Right, that. right. Okay, so I'm gonna propose. I'm gonna start this off just telling you what I think. Yeah. Should be done to the police, and then I want to hear your response to that. And I want to get. I want to get deep into how you feel about this. So what I yeah. think. What I think is one. If we're talking to. If we're gonna, if we're talking about solving black communities, this is different than police reform because these, solving this, black these, these, these issues are very deeply connected. But I think a lot of people are gonna hear this and say that that's not gonna fix all the problems in black communities because when people think police reform, people think the end goal is to fix black communities. I yeah. think education is more important than police reform in terms of fixing black communities. We can get into that after this. But in terms of police themselves, the problem is these police officers aren't gonna, they aren't getting enough training. They're getting screened enough. Yeah, I want to say okay. like 21 weeks on average. Yeah. These, these these people are dealing with highly stressful jobs. Like I said, their their job is ruining your day most of the time. Yeah. So if we train them better on how to deal with these situations, okay, yeah. so, the peop, so that these cops don't feel the need to shoot people as much. And if they're going to shoot someone, they know where to shoot them. They don't kill people. Yeah. Making someone making it hard for someone to walk by shooting them in the leg is better than killing them, and I feel like a lot of. But cops, then again, the mm -hmm. idea of shooting somebody is that you you they've been deemed a legal threat or they've right. been deemed a lethal threat. Yes. So if you're going to shoot somebody, you're not going to do it to just incapacitate them because at that point they're still a threat. Okay. So I'm if gonna, you are going to shoot, it's to shoot to kill. Okay. Well, let's like say Wit told me about a story this earlier today. This was yeah. something apparently, apparently this guy, this black man took a police officer's stun gun and pointed it at him. Okay, yeah. the police officer killed the man. In that circumstance, shoot the man in the leg, make it difficult for him to walk. Ideally, okay, and I don't want to, I don't want to get into that specific case because I want to talk more, more broadly yeah, this time. Yeah, but I don't know in, in about certain case. cases, it's way better to incapacitate. I think in general, if you can incapacitate someone, that's better than killing them. Yeah. Period. So that's why I think officer training is important to teach officers that even if they're in a situation where they fear for their life, they don't necessarily have to kill. Because I, I think what happens in a lot of these cases is these police officers get scared of their life and they think that this is a good time to kill. And maybe yeah. if we could teach them not to do that, that would be better. Also, better screening for police officers. You can't become a police officer unless you can get through all these psychological evaluations to make sure you aren't racist, to make sure you don't have anger problems, to make sure you're not going to get in these situations and freak out. Yeah. Training and screening, I really think, would fix most of our problems with the police. People are always talking about moving money around, moving money from police stations. No, no, no. If anything, they may need more money to go through with all this training and all this screening, but what it will lead to is safer communities and police officers that don't feel like they have to hurt people as much because they know how to do their jobs and they know how to handle people better. Yeah, that's one of the reasons I voted for Biden. It was a $300 million investment in the, I want to say it was the community-oriented policing program. Mm -hmm. Community-oriented policing Do you know system. what specifically that was going to do? Um, it was supposed to I'm not familiar. Like help um, include funds for training and things like that. Okay, yeah, so, that's good. Yeah, that's, that's really one good. of the reasons I voted for him. I think that like providing more funds for more training is probably a good yeah, thing. Yeah, that's we definitely a good thing. We don't want less trained police officers. Um, so yeah, like if, if your prescription is more screening and more training that's probably a good thing but i don't think that the incredibly complex relationship that um the black community has with law enforcement ends at the police i i don't think the conversation ends there it, it ends at judge and judges and district district attorneys and mm. um sentencing district sentencing is an incredibly important part of the black lives matter movement um the idea that if you're black and you do drugs you're going to be sentenced like so much more longer or more uh longer than if you are white and do the exact same thing like, yeah do you think part of that's i'm just i'm just spitballing here maybe do you think it's because like 
these people can't afford as good lawyers. But I mean, possible? like, even in and of itself, like, that's a bad thing. Right, right. right. Why are Absolutely. they in a socioeconomic situation in which they cannot afford lawyers? That's just a problem. What, like, that's a problem well, with yeah. the legal system. Yeah, so, like, what are the what are the ways that we can, um... But, like, yeah, that, that's the problem is that, like, in general, um, people in the black community are going to be poorer than those in the white community. And that's due to, like, a very, very long history of um, redlining and... Mm. Um, being disallowed from schools yeah. um just due to so many different things like jim crow laws so many different things yeah. um so I, it's an incredibly um complicated conversation and yeah yeah, yeah i think I that think... like that them being in that socioeconomic mm -hmm. situation that they are in less of a position to hire a good lawyer that's a problem in and of that itself. is a problem and that's yeah. why i think i think education first and foremost is there anything else yeah. specific you wanted to say about police reform other than that not we can get into education. Not much. that I know of police reform exactly. Um, yeah, not nothing that I can think okay, of. Okay, yeah, because I think well, the thing with education is if we can go into these black communities and teach these people how to make a good living, to teach these people how to deal with cops, to teach these people how to deal with people, sure, there may be systematic barriers in place to make it more difficult for them, but over time, if we're educating these people, they can yeah. th these things will go away these things will go away if we if we give proper education on how to deal with the legal system things like that if we if we take away this narrative because this is something that not a lot of people talk about but it's this is this is a general this is a generational thing that's passed down through black communities and black families is to fear white people and to fear the cops because historically they had to they didn't have a choice back yeah. a long time ago you're a black man you go outside you do something wrong you're going to get hanged yeah. Okay, that's gonna happen. You go outside, you're caught with a joint, you're gonna go to prison. I don't I don't know specifics <laughs> on all this type of stuff, but yeah. but these black these black communities have historically had to fear white people and had to fear cops. Yeah. And what we need to do is we need to get education in there to teach these people to teach these people that they don't have to fear cops anymore. They don't have to fear white people anymore if we can also teach them how to pull their communities out of these impoverished conditions. Because what would be better than to have a bunch of rich black people go back into their communities and be able to rework them from the ground up? Well, that starts with having more rich black people, which starts with education, to educate people on how to make money. Because I feel like a lot of these communities are just stuck in this cycle of crime and violence and crime well, yeah, and violence. And it's, it's self-perpetuating, self yeah. exactly. And yeah. so education reform, giving these people more opportunities, giving these people better jobs, teaching them yeah. how to survive in a world mostly dominated by white people, teaching them how to survive in this world and how to make themselves better. I think that, I think over time, it's this isn't something a lot of people seem to want an instant solution. These things aren't gonna go away. You can't, there's no single thing you can do to snap your fingers and now white and black communities are equal in the United yeah. States. That's not gonna happen. If we can teach black people how to empower themselves we can get black people in the Supreme Court. We can get more black people in power. And of yeah. course, there's going to be historical systematic things that stop this from happening and make it more, not stop it, make it more difficult. But over time, you get that in place. You teach these black people how to be smart and how to change the world, they'll change the world. But I don't think that, and this is like one of the fundamental concepts that mm -hmm. like I kind of ground all of my political um, ideas from is that like people are victims of their environment. Mm -hmm. So when we have um, a black community that for centuries was barred from education. Mm -hmm. They were pushed to the bottom. They were forced into um, awful neighborhoods that are full of crime and drugs and things like that. 
through no fault of their own. Right. Um, when we have um, people that are stuck in this environment, what are they going to do? They're going to stay in that environment. They're going to act in a way that is similar to them. So what we do, or something that I think um, disagrees with what you're saying, is that the idea that we should teach them to pull themselves up by the bootstraps. It's not what you said specifically, but I think we should just better the conditions of those in that environment. How? I think we should maybe a jobs program. Maybe we can provide um, education because a lot of people growing up in impoverished communities in impoverished communities don't see education as a viable option. Maybe because of debt. Maybe because because they don't see it as um, something that's affordable to them at all. Maybe it's because they didn't have parents that went into education, so mm -hmm. they're just f unfamiliar with the entire process. It's easier to just stay in their community and stay at a job that they've had since they were um, 16 years old. Yeah. Um, maybe so funding for education, a, a jobs program, maybe providing healthcare can um, kind I don't of teach think them. anything you're saying contradicts anything what I'm saying. I yeah, agree but I, with I you. Think that I like, agree. My my entire thing is to improve the living conditions of people in these environments, and that'll in turn kind of do better financially. Um, that'll do better overall in these communities. But I think that like, or what I caught from what you were saying mm -hmm. is the idea that we should teach them how to be better. And I mm -hmm. think that we should do better for them. I think we should give them those living conditions that are going to in turn lead to better results. I think as a general rule, teaching someone how to improve their conditions is better than artificially improving their conditions. Okay? But I think that like there are very clear mm -hmm. um, pieces of legislation. Mm -hmm. I think that I'm providing birth control. They tried it in Colorado for like five years. Yeah. Teen birth rate was like cut in half. Teen abortion rate was cut in half. The the yeah. ages of people who, for their first birth, it was like increased by a couple years. So there are very clear policy well, I, positions. I agree with that. Yeah, so I there's clear with policy I don't positions. Think I don't think what I say and what you second. say contradict. Yeah, yeah, so I think that like there are very clear policy positions that we can put into place mm -hmm. that would improve the living conditions yeah. and increase the, or improve the outcomes of what's happening in these communities. But I don't think that like telling them what to do and telling them to be better, um, I don't think that's just ever been demonstrably proven to do anything. No, I'm not. And I think I'm, that like, that's why I'm really against like the bootstrap mentality of like, oh, like, um, and I'm not saying you believe this, but I think that um, the entire um, idea of like, just do better. Like um, if you try hard, if you just stay in school, like there, there, there's a better future out there. I just don't think that's no. I don't think reasonable. I don't. I don't think the mindset of just telling people that simply trying harder is going to fix their conditions. Yeah. I, that, that's for some people that's going to work. Yeah. There are tons of people in this world that if they just tried harder, they would greatly improve their lives. And a lot yeah. of people in these black communities that that applies to. I don't think. I don't think just because we teach people how to be better individuals that we can't also help them with job programs and birth control. True, I don't true, see how like, these things are mutually exclusive. Because how I, do we legislate? teaching them how to be better people what that's that's a difficult like on a pragmatic level mm -hmm. there are very clear pieces of legislation that we can put in a place that i can point to like jobs programs or funding for education or funding for birth control or things like that but there's no demonstrable piece of legislation that would be like hey if we just tell them how to be better then they'll be better no like, I, i've just never seen that funding i think fun just simple funding for education yeah and i don't well, disagree well we'll help simple yeah. funding for education funding for getting because part of the problem is I feel like a lot of these communities don't get super good teachers they don't get these people yeah. to be able to come in there and teach them if we could get funding for education get some extremely smart successful people 
successful black people specifically. If you can get smart, successful black people into these communities to teach to teach these people, because this is happening. I don't remember who it was, but I remember reading about a certain, a certain black celebrity who was doing exactly this, going into black communities and teaching these kids how to survive and make, and make their communities better. Because then if you can do that while also providing birth control, while also providing job programs, now you're building a community to be stronger from the base. If you just come in here and make people's living conditions better, okay, their living conditions are going to go up a little bit. Then what? Yeah, and then the outcomes then, are better. Then, then, then what? Okay, so they, so they birth control, things like this. At the end of the day, people have to know how to become successful. Like, we we... As much as the bootstrap mentality like supposedly doesn't work, if everyone really tried their hardest in certain areas of their life and if everyone really knew how to better their life to get where they wanted to go, a community will flourish if everyone knows how to do that. The whole yeah. the whole idea is that maybe there are things keeping them down. But if we can teach them how to overcome those things, then yeah. great. But I mean, I guess like the idea is that like by improving the living conditions, we are going to create those successful people that will come back into those communities and give back. Yeah. I don't like, I I just ever, I guess like I'm very pragmatic with everything that I believe in. And like, I guess. I think, I I don't think there's anyone in this world that wouldn't say that. I just, I just, just, it just kind of bothers me when people say that because I think everyone, everyone thinks that they're, they're the one who's thinking pragmatically. And that's not to call you out. It's, you know. But I mean, like you have alt writers who are like, well, I think we should just, um, I think we should have an all white nation. And I think like, that's just the way to go. And it's like, we can Bro, if you say that next to me. I'm just, I'm going to hit you. <laughs> no, 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 I'm not saying it's you, but I think no, that, no, like, of course. there are extremists that like fantasize about like what their ideal living situation would be. Mm-hmm. But I think that like the way that I view politics, the way yeah. that I think, um, about, how to prescriptively better society, I think I view it from a very pragmatic point. So I think of like um, the demonstrably uh, or the demonstrated ways in which we can improve living conditions. And I just like, if there's a way that we can legislate teaching them or teaching communities, marginalized communities, how to better themselves Mm -hmm. and that worked and we looked at studies and it said it worked, then yeah, I'm down. But I mean like, out of everything so far, I just think that the bootstrap mentality, nothing has ever been done by telling people to do better. I think that like so much has been done by like the case in Colorado. That was incredible. There was also a, um, a case in Chile whenever they, um, I think it was like five different birth control companies. They all banded together one night mm-hmm. and they ra- artificially raised the prices of birth, birth control. It was for like a week long. And so researchers found whenever they longitudinally followed that week, they... Um, there was a spike in the amount of children born and then those children because they didn't have access to birth control or because their parents didn't have access to birth control yeah. they were overrepresented in special education and they had more they had worse health outcomes so it's like i think that um things like birth control um things like jobs programs things yeah. like healthcare, education like these will demonstrably improve the living conditions and these will demonstrably lead to less negative outcomes. Yeah. And I think that like absolutely. if there was a study out there that showed that um if we found that there was like Tony Robbins or like some other motivational speaker that went to like um marginalized high schools or like underfunded high schools and um he was like, Hey, like just do better, like <laughs> Well, I'm not but I'm I, not I think suggesting that, like, Tony yeah. Robbins it and also yeah. if it doesn't happen, how are we ever gonna have studies? If this stuff doesn't happen, True, but I mean, how like, are we ever gonna know if it works if we're not willing to try it? because I think I th- I think the problem is we I don't I don't think we need to I don't 
what I don't want to happen is for us to come in and make these communities better in the short run, but then make these communities reliant on government assistance. That's what I'm worried about happening is instead of teaching, instead of going into these schools and teaching these kids how to get jobs, how to become better at skills. Because at the end of the day, that's that's what the world is, right? Yeah. You theoretically, you contribute something, you get something in return. We don't need to teach people that because they're in a bad situation, we're going to just we're gonna give them stuff. We need to we need to give these people things because right now they're in a situation where it's hard to pull themselves out, right? It's very hard to pull themselves yeah. out. We need to give them things to improve their conditions in the short run, but long term, long term these communities shouldn't need government assistance because we need to teach we need to teach the people in them to not need it. And obviously that's that's not something that I can point to a study and say that, yeah. that like like what you're saying, but I think overall the a mentality of a mentality of giving communities something needs to be equally matched with a mentality of teaching these communities how to not need help any longer. I mean, I guess so. And we can talk about the long run after we've given these communities the help that they need. Yeah. But I guess like the idea that we're scared to make them reliant on government assistance is to me a little bit absurd because there were government programs to exclude them from benefits like um the gi bill there were right. soldiers in world war ii that went off and fight that fought for this country but whenever they come back or whenever they came back because of their skin color mm -hmm. they were excluded from things like the gi bill because right. of their skin color right and so it's like there were government programs specifically set in place to exclude them from benefits right. and now um now that we've taken those away there should probably be some government programs in place to give them benefits yes yes i agree i, I yeah. agree i agree what i yeah. i guess i'm just look i'm looking at the long term and advanced i yeah. think what you're saying with these programs that should happen i i completely yeah. agree with everything you said in terms of what should happen right now but if we're going to enact something right now we can't lose sight of what our long-term goal is our long-term yeah. goal is that black communities don't need any more help than white communities long term right long term yeah. and these if they're doing for themselves if they have jobs if they exactly. have healthcare, if they have birth control if they have education then they won't yeah. need it yeah um, and that's pretty much like um, what historically like white communities are like because yeah. like, if you look at like me and you and I know this is anecdotal but it's like did you ever have anybody tell you this is how you keep a job this is how you go to college this is how you stay in college like I never had anybody tell that to me mm -hmm. I had like, I had it described to me over time like over time, yeah. I had plenty of people say like, okay, if you're gonna do in school, here's how you, if you're gonna do well in school, here's how to do it. If you're gonna go into a job interview, here's how to do Actually, it. That's, yeah, yeah. that's because We're, there's been a lot of people in my life who have gone through these type of yeah, things. Yeah, exactly. So that now, um, because we went to good schools, I went to a school. Wait, so, you're, so you did have that. Yeah, so now that I think about it, I, I'm also arguing for it now still. Okay. I'm not taking away from <laughs> right, it. Right, right. But the idea is that like I went to a good school, yes. a good high school that funded for dual enrollment programs. Yeah, I was same. able to, um, from my junior year, take classes at the community college. Yeah. And um, it was explained to me by my guidance counselor how to go through those classes and things like that. Yeah. Um, so maybe, and now I'm in a good place. I'm going to be graduating with my bachelor's at 20 years old. Um, so it's like now I'm in a good place because I had those systems in place to uh, kind of guide me in the right direction. Yeah. And I don't think it's going to be any different if we kind of provide the same thing for um, marginalized communities. That's exactly that, what I'm arguing yeah, for. exactly. So I think that um, if you have um, like inner city Chicago, for example, if you have a, a school that teachers don't want to teach at, um, if you have 20-year-old textbooks, if you have um, overcrowded classrooms and things like that, like what incentive is there for any child to do good? Why would they have to rise above and do well for a society that hasn't given them anything? Yeah. Like I, I 
I just think that um, if we treat these communities better on a legislative level, then we will reap the returns of that. Yeah, I, I, I think, think it takes yeah. a little, I think it takes both. I, th- yeah. I don't think we can come in and artificially, I don't think we can come in and give housing, give birth control, give all these things to these communities without doing what you're saying, which I think, but I think that I like, think, what I you think, just described I think is we're what arguing. I'm saying. We're arguing. I think, I yeah. think, I think we in, agree. I think in terms of practical implication, it seems fairly straightforward. Give these yeah. people what they need in the moment, but yeah. we have to along. I think what they need in the moment. I think what goes along with that is teaching of things like you said, how to do taxes, how to get jobs, how to deal with police officers. All these things are very, very important that these 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 communities need to learn. But I think, and that, I think like, that goes along with if you're going to enact legislation for these things that you're saying, this is part of that. When you say education. Yeah. That is the education. That right there yeah. is the single thing that the education is because that's what is education other than teaching you how to be a better person. That's what yeah. education is, teaching you how to excel in a specific thing. So if public education can be te- – if we can go into these black communities and give them public, public education on how to succeed in life, our black communities will start succeeding more. Yeah, so I, I completely yeah. agree. So yeah. like say we have um, 20 high schoolers that are in an underfunded high school, say – they get access to like IB or dual enrollment programs. Say they yeah. do good, they end up going through college. Um, and people that go to college are gonna have longitudinally better outcomes. So, so they grow up, they become successful adults, they have kids. And because their parent, because those kids' parents yeah. went through college, they now have that knowledge from their parents mm-hmm. to know how to go through college, to have yeah. that guidance to go through high school. They have the funds to do better in life because mm-hmm. people that have more money are generally going to do better in life than people that yeah. don't have money. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so I think that, um, I don't know, I think that like by giving them better living conditions, by legislating things like birth control, education, healthcare, yeah. jobs programs, I think that we will longitudinally, longitudinally see um, better outcomes in general because yeah. they, the, the foundation is set in place now. Yeah. And so for generations to come, they are not um, in this cycle of mm-hmm. um, crime and impoverishment and things like that. Yeah. So. And this is where I really, I really would like to get some diversity of people on this podcast. Cause I would love yeah. to be able to sit with a black man from one of these communities and propose this to him and say, how would we implement this in these communities? Cause we're looking at this from the perspective of people who grew up in these, these communities yeah. that are very <laughs> different. So as much as we may think that these, that these things would help. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe not. Yeah. It's I always completely, imp- completely, um, see to the fact that like I grew up middle class. Mm-hmm. I grew up, White passing. Yeah. I'm Hispanic, but I'm white passing. Right. Um, I grew up with generally a two parent household, generally speaking. Right. Um, so it's like I can't claim to know what um I mean I I grew up we grew up under the poverty line for a bit, but I mean like overall we've done pretty well for ourselves. Right. But um so I, I can't claim to know what it's like to grow up in poverty my entire life. Mm-hmm. I can't claim to know what it's like to grow up black. And I can't claim to know what it's like to have like an adversarial relationship with the police. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I completely succeed to the fact that um, this is something that's way out of my field. And this is just something that I've read up on. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. And I yeah. think that's all we can do, right? Yeah, As someone in our position, can all you yeah. can do is read up and listen. Yeah. All you can do is listen. And that's why, that's why I don't, 
I love the Brilliant Idiots podcast because just yeah. hearing Charlemagne the God, so many like I've heard I've heard a lot of like Charlemagne used he used to be this crazy guy who said all these crazy things, and now listening yeah. to him now the criticisms that I've heard of him are something like oh he makes everything about race he makes everything political it's like yeah. okay well I kind of like hearing how race plays into all these things that I generally wouldn't have any wouldn't even think of being racially yeah. related and hearing that hearing that a voice of like okay well have you thought about the fact that it's because all these people involved in x thing are white and i'm like hmm. and that's not that's to say true. that those yeah. people are racially motivated they just lack it's, the perspective it's lack the perspective yeah exactly and that's what that's what i really i i really want to get across the idea that i i hear i've seen the idea that we should blame the white population as a whole for what's happening in the black community and what i think is i think the best thing we can do is to come together and to unite and say there's a problem let's yeah. fix it i think if you're putting blame i think putting blame on any group is it's not going to make them want to help you yeah to help and I don't so think i think all like... we can say to white to like white people who may not know a lot about these issues is educate yourselves see how these things may be playing out around you and you don't even notice and not that everything has to do with race everything in this world doesn't have to do with race but be open to the idea that long-term things because at the end of the day slavery happened white people put black white people hang black people in the streets and if you think that there's not still lingering effects of that today yeah. then i would say look at stuff like we're talking about look yeah. at our prison system things like that and these issues you can't snap your fingers and make them go away but all we can do is work for a better future for all we can do is work yeah. to help future generations for these issues to resolve themselves over time. I don't think that like blaming white people or saying that like white people are solely responsible. Like I'll say that, but I don't think it's a core part of any of my arguments. Mm -hmm. so I, and I think that like that's pretty um, on point for um, general leftist messaging or general um, left messaging. Yeah, is the idea that like yeah, white people may be responsible for. Um, the state that the black community is in today yeah. because of slavery, because of Jim Crow laws, because of segregation, because of things like redlining and the pushing of them into vice districts. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they may be responsible, but I don't think anybody's like, oh, white people, you have to kiss my feet every time. Every time you see a black person in the public, <laughs> you, have to, you have to say I'm sorry. You have to Bro, bow down. I saw one moment video of, of something yeah. like pretty much just like that, and I was like, yeah. oh no. Obviously, I, that's, that doesn't represent barely yeah, any yeah. of the population. I just thought yeah. that was funny. Yeah, <laughs> so like, I don't think that's very politically fair. I don't think yeah. you'll see Joe Biden or AOC or any prominent um, mm -hmm. Democrat politicians. You know, what that. I will say about but, that, yeah. and I think it's something we have to look at, is when you say something like white people are responsible. And remember earlier in the beginning where I said I think it's more accurate to say the people responsible were white. The reason I say that is because I have I've heard this. This yeah. is, this isn't this isn't something of, just because I've heard it doesn't mean it's yeah. it represents a big portion of the population. But some people feel like the the whole movement is anti-white because people say things like that and people people miss people misinterpret what you're saying to be saying that all white people are to blame and that's not your intent but what i see is people interpret it that way and they feel like the black lives matter movement is in some ways an anti-white movement and that's why i think something as simple as saying white people are to blame is making some people feel marginalized and that not that that's your fault yeah. these people should look more into what you're saying but also i think i think if we can get away from saying that and instead yeah. say the people at fault were white but that's I think that's a better way to word it just because we could you could be scaring off some people that would support this just because you're framing in a way that makes them think that you're blaming them for it. 
Yeah, I think messaging on the left is pretty bad. It's I think terrible. All, all cops are bad. Um, and kind of, and people are like, well, really? Even my cousin was a cop? You really think he's bad? It's like, people are like, well, I, I actually mean like all cops. Um, some people really do mean all cops. Yeah. But um, if you have to explain what your messaging means, it's probably not doing a great job. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that's why Trump was like really effective. I think like build the wall, lock her up. These are very easy. Build yes. a wall. What do you What do you want to do? Build a wall. Yeah, <laughs> it's incredibly easy yeah. to understand. Like yeah. all cops are bad. It's an incredibly nuanced, complicated under yeah. um, conversation about like the adversarial adversarial relationship mm-hmm. that the black communities had with police historically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I think that people like willfully misinterpret it. But I do think that like we could get a little bit better about messaging. A lot better. I, I really think. I, I think, think if the so. Democratic Party effectively conveyed their ideas they would have way more support especially especially with what happened with this whole george floyd thing i think there was a lot of there was there was a lot of there was a lot of bad messaging that went on there with black with black lives matter with that there was a i literally just had it in my head there was a specific phrase that they used to use defund the police that's what it was this is something i wanted to talk to you about specifically (laughs) what's another one yeah Newsflash, Republicans. <laughs> when they say defund the police, most of them don't mean get rid of the police. Okay? Yeah. What defund the police is the idea of redistributing. Generally, what I've heard, and you can tell me if you yeah. don't, if this doesn't sound right to you, but from what I've heard, the whole idea of defund the police is take money out of the police and put it into the communities instead. Right? Um, to help these communities. That's how I've heard it described on podcasts that I've listened to. So maybe there's slightly different interpretation, but what does that mean to you? My understanding of defund the police or what people generally meant by it was the idea that um, cops have a really complicated web of responsibilities that maybe they shouldn't have to be responsible for. Agreed. Why, whenever there's a homeless man having a mental break, why do we call the police? Exactly. Um, So maybe um, funding different areas connected to law enforcement that we can rely on instead of police, someone with a gun, Mental health experts. Um, yeah, mental health experts, maybe social workers, um, maybe uh, funding for more training, more de-escalation, stuff like that. So maybe um, defund the police means more funding for police training. But yeah. but um, just the idea of like kind of taking all of the – or taking some of the responsibilities put onto cops and – funding programs to where they do not have to shoulder that responsibility anymore yeah like so. rework the police yeah reform rework, the yeah, police yeah. so there's say so many better people, things you could say yeah so whenever we say like defund the police people are like oh like you don't want any police and it's like well no like that's not what we meant yeah uh, some people some people think that there's some people that say ab- that said abolish yeah. the police that i don't think that was a very that wasn't a very popular thing popular, but yeah. what i found happening during that time and the reason i want to bring this up is because i heard people saying defund the police and i'm like what are we talking about? This yeah. is absurd. This is absurd. These people have lost their minds. And I started saying these things that we're saying right now. I started thinking, no, why are we defunding them? Let's yeah. do all these things. And then eventually I started hearing the actual – I started hearing more arguments behind defund the police. And I realized yeah. that they were saying the exact same thing I was saying. And I realized yeah. that the messaging was really just terrible. Messaging. It, it, yeah. it, just, it makes people misinterpret them yeah. so much. People – there's so much more unity than we realize in this country. Seriously. I agree. The extremes yeah. dominate most of the conversation, but most people 
Like, <laughs> even a, a lot of this stuff that we've started thinking we disagreed on, we realized that once we talked about it, no, we agree on what should be done. Yeah, like how to prescriptively kind of do better for marginalized communities. Yeah, I yeah. I think we disagree yeah. there. There's not, yeah, there's not nearly as much division in this country as things like the media paint it to be. Because yeah. the problem is, like we were saying earlier with the whole fake news thing, is it's like, it just perpetuates this idea of Fox is going to go after defund the police. CNN's going to go after people who don't who don't agree with defund the police. The, the, yeah. And I don't want I don't want to I don't want to spend this whole podcast talking about fake news because we've already we've already covered the bases. But it's just another example of that we have to start looking at these things as individuals with beliefs. Groups have beliefs. Let's talk about it instead of taking a group says defund the police and taking that at face value. Let's look into it. Let's not assume yeah. anything based off of that. And same thing when people say something like blue lives matter that doesn't mean they hate black people it means that what they see is hatred towards cops that's what these people see is they see people who hate cops and they want to fight against that i think it's i i said the other day the the timing the timing was terrible because black lives matter black lives matter happened and then they said and the phrasing with this i think was bad as well black lives matter blue lives matter so it all when lives that, matter. When that happened, it seemed like they were downplaying the idea of black lives yeah, matter. Yeah. It seemed like they were downplaying yeah. that. And some of them were because people heard black lives matter and they said, whoa, whoa, this is messed up. Yeah. What do you mean black lives matter? Does my life not matter as a white man? No, that's not what they're saying. Again, it's all messaging and you have to look at people's intent. So in something like blue lives matter, yeah, blue lives matter. Duh. Does cops lives matter? Does that have to contradict Black Lives Matter? No. Why do these things have to contradict each other? Why can't we get along and say Black Lives Matter, Cop Lives Matter, let's make the world a better place for both of these groups of people? The only thing is that like the most devastating part about Black Lives Matter is that as a consequence of being black, something that you had nothing to do with in this country, Mm. um, is the idea that you will be targeted differently, you will be Mm. sentenced differently. Um, based on the color of your skin, you will um, likely be born into a more impoverished community than if you are white. Right. Um, and that's something that you have no control over. Mm-hmm. You can't change these. You can't change these things. But the thing about Blue Lives Matter is that you can stop being a cop. You, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. chose to be law enforcement. You chose to pursue this career in which you knew the ramifications of. You knew that there is an adversarial adversarial relationship between. Yeah. Um, a lot of the US population now and law enforcement so I think that um saying blue lives matter is incredibly disingenuous just because really yeah because at the end of the day you can take off your uniform but I you think, can't take off your black skin I don't think it's I don't, I don't I don't think that's arguing the right direction we shouldn't be trying to convince cops that because there's tension they shouldn't be a cop and I'm not and not that that's exactly what you're saying but the idea shouldn't be oh well you can stop being a cop no it should be we need police officers in this country. The last thing we want to yeah. do is encourage people not to be cops. Let's fix the problem. Don't tell I don't think I don't think it's right to tell to tell people that oh, well you can stop being a cop. Yes. Of course you can stop being a cop. You can't stop being black. Yeah. Of, of course. Of course you can escape the consequences of being cop. You can't escape the cop the consequences of being black. Does that yeah. mean the cops should face consequences? No. Let's fix the problem. But I I don't I don't think that in any I don't think the ability to stop being a cop in any way downplays the idea that their lives matter because the only what what's the long solution of that like if you take that to its extreme we don't have any more cops because they've all retired because we've told them they should quit instead of trying to fix the problem we should fix the problem instead because we need cops yeah i'm not saying that we shouldn't have cops 
um, or anything like that. I'm just saying that like there's no such thing as blue lives. Like this is mm. incredibly symbolic thing. That yeah, I think is, the messaging there was bad too. But yeah, I think the I think point that, like, stands. The the point of like blue lives is propagated by law enforcement by right wing mm -hmm. rhetoric. The idea that like it's an us versus them mentality. Yeah, they shouldn't um, be. It's toxic. I I really do believe that there's a toxic mentality within law enforcement. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Yeah, and that's where I think something like the screening comes through. Let's get rid of. Yeah. If someone's gonna have a toxic mindset, if someone's gonna if someone's gonna be in it for power, get them out. I don't think Ideally, we disagree here. At I don't all. think I don't yeah, I don't yeah. think we do. It's just another it's just another thing of messaging. Yeah. I don't think it's a good message to put out to say that well a cop can give up their uniform. I think a message that should be put out is hey, black people don't have a choice but being black. We need to fix their problems. Okay, yeah. cops do have a choice. So if you're a cop and you're really unsatisfied, yes, you have a choice. So maybe overall in your life you have more options to escape these problems, but. We still have we we're going to have police officers just like we're going yeah. to have black people. There's going to be people going through these things. So let's let's fix the problems. It's the, all of this. A lot of what I see in today's culture is bad messaging and bad messaging, mid and yeah. misinterpretation, disingenuous interpretation, willful and misinterpretation. something specifically is not giving people the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. We don't. It is so rare to see anyone who anyone in mainstream conversation give anyone who disagrees with them the benefit of the doubt on anything. We assume because someone disagrees with us that they yeah. that they must have bad intent in other areas. And I just I think the message need to be pushed of conversation, of talking, of realizing, like you said. I think we both agree on these things. Yeah, we, both, yeah, <laughs> we both agree on these things, and most people like. would probably agree with a lot of what we're saying right now. I really, yeah. I really think that it's a matter of misinterpretation, and that also goes if you're someone who's going to make a claim. If I make a claim and you misinterpret it, that's not on me. But if I can easily foresee how my claim may be misinterpreted, I'm going to message it differently. Well, that matter, or that depends on if you are a public figure. I think if you are a mm. public figure, you have a very um, clear responsibility to be very clear with your public messaging. I think that if you're just a person talking to a friend and your friend thinks you said something racist, then I don't. I, I think you guys should just talk about it. But I think if you have like thousands, or if you have like tens of thousands or hundreds of followers on YouTube or whatever, and you put out political messaging, um, I think Trump's a really good example. And I mm -hmm. think that like him talking about like how the election is fraud, mail-in voters, yeah, or mail-in uh, ballots are fraud, things like that. Democrats are cheating. Um, I think that they should have a very clear responsibility to make sure that your message yeah. and the way that you want it to be um, understood yeah. is clear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think I, I think we we probably pretty much agree on this because the whole yeah. the, I mean the whole way that I have tried to set up this whole podcast thing is to make my intent very clear. And if I'm yeah. going to say something that could be interpreted a certain way, I like to clear it up. So I think Trump's a good example of what not to do. <laughs> Trump's a great example of how to get misinterpreted. But yeah. I think when Trump says something and it gets misinterpreted, it's that doesn't mean that doesn't mean that's a that doesn't necessitate that it's on him. If he could have worded it, if he could have worded it better, then yes, he should have worded it better. And there are many yeah. instances you can point to in which you look at it and you're like, how? How could you say this and not realize it was going to get misinterpreted? Yeah, right? or at least come out. But at a, a lot later of point, times, yeah. a lot of times, it also happens that he says something and it gets misinterpreted, and you look at it and it's like, okay, okay, that's not on him. Yeah. And I just think we, 
that just comes down to the individuals who listen to when you hear someone say something, look at their intent and give people the benefit of the doubt when it seems like they should get it. Yeah. When it seems like they should get it. I'm not sure Trump is a good example of that. Trump's a good example of how of what not to do. I think yeah. I think Trump gets misinterpreted all the time. Yeah. And I think, de- but is he doing think, anything to make sure that that doesn't happen? I, no, I don't I think, think he handles very, it well. Yeah, I don't so. think he handles it well. But yeah. I also think that he gets misinterpreted. I think it's on yeah. him a lot of the times, and it's also on the interpreters a lot of the times. And we've yeah. already talked about media and how they how they yeah. propagate that. So, is there is there anything else specific you want to talk about? It. I think that's, that's it. it. Hey, I appreciate you coming on, bro. Good conversation as right. always. Of course, <laughs> I'll get you on again. I appreciate everyone watching. Peace out.